0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast. This is your latest, I've actually lost track of the number, it doesn't need a number, it's our latest console single format special and it's all about the Sony PlayStation 2. We decided quite late which one to cover this time, I say we, I mean I, uh, but it makes perfect sense because, well, it's its 20th birthday and it was quite a big deal. So joining me, Leon Cox, in this PS2 special are Chris O'Regan hello jay taylor hello and joshua Garrity.
1: hello
2: there
0: so live in your world but play in ours i think that was one of the slogans of the ps2 but what are our memories of the ps2 era just some of the key uh things that come to mind when you think of your history with this best selling of all the consoles. Uh, were you hyped for it did you get one at launch how long did you have one for it or do indeed you still have one Jay um I didn't didn't get one on launch um
3: and it yeah it was just it came out at um at a really inopportune time just as I was moving out of where I was living in London and moving into my own flat so yeah no um no money was going to be spent on on games consoles was the that former
0: point. place the place with the PS1 and the dominatrix
3: Now that was Preston
0: oh okay sorry
3: now you've just for anybody who hasn't who isn't privy to that now there's questions being asked You need to listen that.
0: to the PS1 special before this one <laughs> to key, to catch up but what you should know is that uh, Jay has a uh, had a you know the PS1 was a very important console in your gaming life like probably yeah, yeah. whereas for for a lot of the rest of us uh, of a similar age to Jay like me and Chris you know we go our sort of spark was really in in the 8-bit era uh and the early arcades and although jay was there it was the ps1 that kind of turned jay into the gamer that he is today i would say so the ps2 yeah, for sure, you would yeah. therefore think would be the kind of the the big the big next step but but no
3: no it wasn't i'd, I'd done the dreamcast launch and all that kind of stuff so you- I think the Dreamcast was the first console that came out after I'd moved down south. So yeah, I was looking forward to it and then circumstances changed. So then I was moving out and then it was like, okay, um, it'll be a while <laughs> before I can figure that. However, it wasn't that long before I got my hands on one because um, it was a two bedroom place. So I let one of the, one of the guys I was working with and my mate from work, he moved into the spare room. Now he had bought one day one. So that got <laughs> set up in the living room, which, the, it.
0: yeah,
3: you know, it worked out pretty well. In fact, that one was the one I used until he moved out yeah. and then I bought my own. Uh, I ended up, I didn't actually get one of my own until I think March of 2004 because wow. I had to check this because I, I thought it was earlier, but it was, I've got an Aqua Blue um, oh. PS2 mm. and they came out. I think it was March of 2004, like limited. They're actually, apparently, they're quite limited edition. So mm. I should look after this.
0: Um, but yeah. I'd forgotten about the colours and I haven't actually, normally I include the sort of variations in the show notes, but I'd actually forgotten they, re- they re- released a whole bunch of colours, didn't they? Maybe five yeah, or yeah. six different colours. Yeah. Colors. yeah. Um, I couldn't
3: remember exactly when I, I picked it up.
0: And so how long would you say you were, at, given that you got it, quite late obviously you were playing it all that time but um... I was
3: yeah I was playing his for for a lot cuz um the way it works with our shift pattern cuz we were both working different shifts so yeah, when I right. was at home he was at work and when I was at work he was at home so it meant that I you know it was basically just play whatever so we just had different memory cards that was it perfect but um but yeah I I put in a, a ton of time but I think the thing that pulled me away was so probably touch upon more as, as the progress goes on, but it was the Xbox release was yeah. kind of where it kind of petered out for me with the right. PlayStation.
0: And you went online very yeah. early. Yeah. yeah there was, Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I was thinking one of the things I was thinking about that we, that we must talk about is, you know, this is the last of the, the big consoles other than the GameCube, which was at the same time where there was, although it did have online capacity, which we'll yeah. also talk about, it wasn't an online machine as such. For most of us, it was the last generation without patches, without microtransactions, mm. without friends list, without etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think there's a there's a huge swathe of gamers out there, some of whom I know are part of our community who miss that purest time where there was no. It felt like it was just you, your box, you bought the game, you played the game, and that was where your relationship mm. with it ended. And I think, for good and ill, that that is kind of gone, isn't it? It's changed. It's, it's yeah. a very different yeah. world now.
3: Well, I mean, it is unless you pull out the Ethernet cable out of the back of your console. Yeah, and you, case, I mean,
0: but then what do you <laughs> buy? You're buying a a, a disc with virtually nothing on it. Often in uh, in because basically it just all the, all that the disc does now is has a, has a chunk of the code and it tells it to download the rest. So yeah, you're kind of it's just mm. a non-starter, really, isn't it? Um, even the Switch, you'd be missing out on updates and and stuff. So uh but as i say that's almost another conversation but i think it's mm. relevant to where the ps2 lives in the hearts and minds of a certain kind of gamer that you know maybe has strong feelings for the the good old days josh uh you'd have been pretty young when the ps2 <laughs> came out because you're 30 now i believe yeah yeah congratulations so, and uh so you were like 10 when the ps2 came out so yeah. how how did how did you get hold of one did you get hold of one
1: yeah so i, I wasn't there day one um i've I've said in in previous canaan and Rin, rinse issues that I didn't really get into video games in a big way until I was like thirteen fourteen um yeah. even though I had a had a PlayStation One when I was younger, it was mainly my dad playing games with us, so he would play Abe's Odyssey with us and it would be yeah. like story time oh. um and we did play a lot of Tekken Two and Tekken Three cool um and yes but we we didn't buy it at launch mainly not out of like lack of excitement on on my part i i you know i was a 10 year old kid i wanted a ps2 cool. just so like just so like i like like the 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 kind of social pressure of your friends like even though i wasn't like properly a gamer there's like i wanted to be part of that kind of cultural event um, but it was very much like the parents like, no, like it's too it's expensive. Really expensive. Yeah. Um so um what ended up happening is we were going round um a friend of my mum's house, um like I think it was like 2002. Um I'm guessing this is kid memories, so sure. I'm guessing here. Um and um her husband uh, had a PS2, had an Xbox. Um and we were just playing Tekken Four, I think it was. And at a certain point, this is this is funny because th- this couple have now divorced, so I have no contact, no no contact with the husband at this this equation at all now. Um, but um, he basically said to us, "You're having a you're having a really good time playing Tekken Four, there, aren't you?" It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really enjoying it. Why don't you just have the PS2? I was like, "What, really? Like, you're just giving us the PS2?" It's like, "Yeah, okay. yeah, I've got this Xbox, and I'm and I'm just gonna. I I prefer the Xbox, so I'm just gonna play the Xbox." So he <laughs> gave us the PS2. So that was a ama- just amazing act of gener- g- generosity on on their part, and um, that was kind of our our entry point into this um, this ge- uh, console generation, and it was a lot of. For me, you know, being a kid, having no salary, all of that, it was a lot of just playing um, Tekken 4 over and over and over again until Hmm. we could finally uh, justify getting a game at Christmas or... (laughs) Yeah, Get Tekken 5. So, um, and uh, we'll go into this when we start talking about the console and the games, but I feel like the PS2 for me is like, that's the console where... Um, I became a video game player like instead of just like casually kind of engaging it because everyone else was this is what this is the birth of
0: my passion for the medium. Yeah, sure. Uh, obviously, as always in these specials, we'll talk more about the library broadly. Uh, not not so much the games that we've already covered in individual podcasts, but obviously some of those will be mentioned as being relevant. I know that Josh shoots some of your all-time favourites from this era, yeah. such as Shadow of the Colossus and Devil May Cry 3 and things like that. So, yeah. uh, yes, indeed. Now, Chris, uh, you may have had the, the means to join the fun at launch, but did you?
2: Well, oh, actually, minus launch. If that's possible.
0: Oh, yeah. here he goes.
2: Here I go. <laughs> so the early, late 90s and to early 2000s was a, foment, uh, very, a, fomenting, a very formative part of my <laughs> and my fomenting. career as a mm-hmm. video game commentator. So I just started out working for an outlet called All Games Network and I was doing um, podcasting before there was podcasting for a real yeah. audio streaming service. And I was their European correspondent, and um, through that I got really into the industry, very close to the point where I knew a how to get a PlayStation Two at launch because it was quite difficult to do um, in the UK because they actually limited the numbers down to about eighty thousand for the launch period. It was was just, it that few. Wow. It was tiny amount, tiny mm. amount, and in order to get one, you really knew knew how to pre order, I think recent uh events of the PlayStation <laughs> Five, basically history repeating itself. Plus sachant, Um yeah. indeed. And um but this is even more extreme. And I remember going to uh my local store called an mcv i do not I don't I don't know what happened, sure what happened to them, but uh
0: Music and Video Club, wasn't it? M V C yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And uh that uh I ordered mine from there. that I had a letter from their from their head office saying if you want to order it you need to contact the manager of a local store and then they secure one for us on your behalf. And it was all rather official and convoluted, but I did it. I remember going to the local store and asking to see the manager in very Karen-like fashion. And uh, he's like, what's this about? And I showed him the letter. He had no clue what this was. He had no idea what I was talking about. Right. And eventually he had to phone in and say, like, oh, apparently this is a thing I was not told about. So I did that. But prior to that, I actually went to E3 the same year that it was launched. Cool. And I managed to, and I was in in the audience for the PlayStation 2 launch extravaganza with Phil Anderson. Mega excite. and Mega excite because everyone was talking, there was a constant phrase amongst everyone there of Toy Story graphics. Everyone was saying that Uh over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Saying this, you know, and then when we sat down and saw Madden and other titles and like, hang on <laughs> we we thought it was going to be just the dogs and it was very good very 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 good but I not seen, quite
0: the leap that was not, in the imagination
2: no yet. the leap wasn't there and uh, so for me the PlayStation 2 is synonymous with my first ever major industry expo which was E3 2000 ah, and I was cool. there to play it oh, I played it four or five months before most people did and held that con- controller and we'll talk about what games because that, that my first game was on something in the middle of south hall at um, at uh, uh, the uh, los angeles convention center and uh, playing uh so that for me every time i think of playstation 2 launch i think of two things first of all by going to e3 for the first time and the second of all actually pre-ordering it and mm. i do remember i've finished off with this with my my experience with my initial experience with the PlayStation 2 was phoning MCV up, the store, on the day of launch to make sure it was there. And I got, and I answered, and I said, hello, I was, I'm asking about the PlayStation 2. And the person, before I could finish the sentence, the chap on the, the phone said, I'm sorry, sir, we've only got one, and it's been pre ordered by one person, and we have no more. I'm really sorry. And I said, I had to cut him off and said, is that for, for Chris O'Regan? Yes, that, that would be me. Mm. And the, the silence and me being very smug uh, was well, something I, told, you know, I reached a nine on a smug level there. But, mm. yeah, he was, he was definitely not impressed. And was like, yes, sir, it's here. It's, I'm looking at it right now. It's definitely. <laughs> so um, that, was a, that was a magical moment for me. So, yeah, big thumbs up. On, on, I just landed it. And even with all the peripherals, well, I've got another controller, memory card, you know the full gamut splashed out. Uh, splashed still got out. the same
0: machine, or did you? No, use it? no, no. Okay, there's a reason we'll talk- for
2: that. We'll talk about that later.
0: Okay, we'll talk about the hardware. I mean, actually, I'm only on my second machine. My history is. Oh, yeah, is it's on that-
2: second machine. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I didn't get one at launch simply because I, at the time, I had my Dreamcast and I was still playing it and loving it. Still had my Saturn and PS1 and was still, you know, finding a lot of gems to play on there, uh, even still the previous gen machines. And I also had a gaming PC at that point for kind of the first time in my life, late 90s, early 2000s. And the games on the PS2 at launch for the first year. I'm not saying I wouldn't have had a good time playing, say, Ridge Racer 5 and stuff like that, but really I could not justify the outlay uh, at that point for the the, the handful of so-so-looking titles that there were. Uh, and once you factor in as well as the, as the price of the console, there was the, you know, as Chris says, the memory cards, the extra controllers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I held off. New price drops would come and games would come. And uh, so I waited until I guess it was this time... So, at the time of recording, it's October. I'm pretty sure it was about October 2001, or thereabouts. When did Gran Turismo 3 a came out? Come out. It was that because there was a bundle with that. And although I'm not at all a, a big car game fan, so well, not serious car game. Um, Gran Turismo 3 at the time looked absolutely spectacular. Uh, it looked. It was the first game that I'd seen that kind of really made me think. Yeah, that's uh, that's next gen. I don't think the Dreamcast could have done could have done that um and there were a few other games by then that I wanted to play so I picked it up I can't remember where I bought it I don't particularly remember unboxing it but I do remember the feeling of excitement of finally holding my own PS2 uh it was this very desirable device by this point uh, and I picked up Fantavision and Time Crisis 2 and a few other bits and bobs it was also just uh, a matter of weeks before the first Devil May Cry came out and Silent Hill 2 so there was soon loads to play Pro Evolution Soccer And, yeah, I never looked back, really. I'm not saying, none. you know, my other machine still got attention, but really the PS2 was the main machine for the next few years, even when I got an Xbox and a GameCube. Played plenty of GameCube, but the PS2, especially when it came to multiplayer and Pro Evolution Soccer, that was the machine, so much so that my only other PS2 was when I traded in my first one for a chipped second one, uh, which was enabled not to play Pirates, but to play Imports, um, so i could play uh, winning 11 games in japan before they got converted to pro evolution soccer in in europe um, because i was that into that series of games and it was a very exciting time i learned how to burn onto roms with patches and all that kind of thing so that you could have an english translation on a japanese game and all this stuff um so yeah that's uh and and yes, the rest of my memories really come from some of those incredible games that the machine got because it was simply so popular. More of which later, of course. So, yes, of course, developed by Sony Computer Entertainment, manufactured by Sony Corporation, a sixth generation console. And those release dates for posterity, March 4th, 2000 in Japan, October 26th, 2000 in America. So just coming up for its 20th, November 24th in the EU and November the 30th in Australasia 2000 the the space year 2000 when the year 2000 sounded like sci-fi itself and now it sounds like ancient times the launch prices i find this interesting so in japan it came out for 39,800 yen which perhaps we haven't got much of a, a a marker for but in the us it came out at $299 adjusted for inflation that's $450 a familiar sounding price point and in Great Britain in pounds the PS2 was released in 2000 at £299 which right now you're thinking hey that's the same price as a switch but of course it's not because adjusted for inflation it's more than a PS5 £510 would get you a PS2 at launch today by equivalent this was not a cheap machine
3: I always find these things slightly misleading, though. Because although it says £510, the manufacturing and production costs of something like that would be considerably less than what it would have been back then. So it probably
2: isn't like a straight conversion anyway. Yeah, there's more nuance here. You're right, Jay. Uh, it's just it's too... Yes, it was expensive, but numerically it probably isn't quite right. It's probably something else. Probably more than that. Who knows? but it's a good it's a good, indi- it's a good indicator
0: well exactly like, the point the point yeah, being yeah, that as, just, as yeah. a consumer that was the like in terms of how much money the average person had in their pocket and how much money it would have cost to you know, relatively speaking to get hold of this p- piece of consumer electronics entertainment those are still the numbers right mm, yeah uh the machine lasted a very long time because it did so well they didn't stop making ps2s until the end of 2012 in japan and actually early 2013 in the rest of the world so just uh, a matter of months before the next the next next generation it's uh, so yeah effectively the ps2 lasted across an entire generation after it if you see what i mean which is testament to how many it sold which is in the world 158 million units still the number one all-time best-selling video game console narrowly ahead of the entire ds family if you put them all together Uh, but in terms of uh, other uh, then comes the game boy and the game boy color and then sitting currently in fourth place is the ps4 and then the ps1 and after that it's the wii so Mm. i mean
3: those are that's a phenomenal number really isn't it i mean
0: yeah, it was ubiquitous. And even though it's funny, I find it interesting because it, I think it's now when everybody knows uh, families who have got consoles or even multiple consoles in the house. People tend to know gamers who are older, more you know, people like us uh, and so on. And it feels like demographics have spread in gaming. But it's interesting that still it's 20 years since a console sold that many units. Yeah. But again, there there is probably more nuance than that, because I think when you compare the generations uh, obviously the xbox 1 had a big struggle this time around but there were there was obvious competition then however the ps2 was the absolute kind of default go to for mainstream folks yeah xbox was niche gamecube was niche in that respect uh i don't remember too much about the marketing uh, i don't know we haven't got any american contributors to this show just because but uh i think the uk ad that most most of us may remember uh and i don't maybe they maybe they played this in america as well it would would make sense david lynch mm. they got a uh, notorious avant-garde director of uh, some really you know famous well regarded well loved films albeit ones that are peculiar um to direct an advert which ended with the slogan "Welcome to the third place," uh, spoken by a duck. Mm,
3: I despise this advert. I absolutely think it's total trash <laughs> from start to finish. I hate it. Po face nonsense,
2: I, isn't it, Jay? Which is the point? It's just.
3: I. I mean, what's annoying is it. It, it came uh, essentially from the same company that made the Double Life advert as well, the TBWA agency. Or, Like, and so they they made what is to me the definitive, even today, still one of the, 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 if not the very best video games advert I've ever seen. Like, you know, the double life thing, I think, which we featured in, you know, yeah, exactly. I think, and it still holds relevancy, you know, 20, 21 years after it it was um, aired. Uh, It's incredible. This, on the other hand, is just garbage. Like, I. Hate it. I mean, I mean, not just this, because they did a whole series of really vague, obscure yeah. adverts. like, uh, if you, you can go you can go on YouTube and see the whole kind of uh, things like uh, they've the got arc. titles like Dog Overboard, Wolfman, Bambi, Blind. They're all crap, honestly. <laughs> I think they're all really bad adverts.
0: I wonder um, if they were actually effective in the sense that obviously no they idea, wanted to yeah. create an air of mystique. And and whatever else, the sense that, you know, getting a PS2 is opening your eyes to some hitherto unforeseen yeah. reality and so on and so forth. I think Whether it a- actually contributed to the 158 million sales, who knows?
3: I doubt the lynch. Well, I think there's there's some. So the problem I have with the adverts is the, the actual taglines that they close with kind of they work on. You understand them, where they're coming from, you know, play at your own pace, play you know, by your own rules and that sort of stuff. That stuff in itself is not terrible. What is a terrible, what I feel is, is missing the point is all the kind of the visual stuff that goes with it. And in particular, the Lynch one stands out as being particularly like obscure. And
0: and do you, do you enjoy David Lynch's films?
3: Um, Hit and miss, right? I think when this this advert aired in two thousand, so that was just after he made what is probably one of his most accessible films, A Straight Story. Yeah, the one yeah. with Richard Farnsworth yeah. driving a lawnmower across. Yeah, them I them mean teams. that's
0: that was totally off off kilter for him, wasn't it? To yeah. make such yeah. a a, a, a non surreal and, and kind of heartfelt yeah. piece, people would normally associate him with, what Twin Peaks and a Razorhead and things.
3: like that. Yeah, yeah. And so um, as a director, I'm very much like love-hate kind of thing. I yeah. think half of his catalogue is, is excellent. The other half is crap. But, you know, he, I mean, he's a very divisive sort of director, but sure. I feel it, this is more a case of somebody in that marketing company is a fan of Lynch and they they yeah. earmarked him for getting him on board because, hey, you know, let's get this guy to do a video game. But it's like,
0: it didn't work. You can totally imagine the advertising agency team being very self-congratulatory about these, these adverts. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure everyone involved believes that it contributed to the massive mm. success of the PS2, but whether it did or not, well, I guess there are numbers out there to, to say, but who knows. I remember, the one thing I do remember about the slogan, welcome to the third place, was gamers joking that, yeah, with adverts like these, it's going to come behind the GameCube and the Xbox <laughs> in the in the console race. So welcome yeah. to third place is about right, of course. That's not what happened. Mm.
2: No, and I just think it's quite notable that I can barely remember any of them. I remember the PlayStation a lot, as as, as Jay has already mentioned. It's like, yeah, because they were very, very good. Mm. Uh, But for some reason, they decided to go another tack because I think basically the premise of every single one of them was, did you know the PlayStation 2 exists? (laughs) And that's basically it. It was just like, this Mm. is a thing. That's a follow on from a phenomenally mm. successful device that we're trying to build off of. And they yeah. started to say it's, it exists. How about that? Does that
1: work? Oh, yeah, I bad. mean, th- that's proven to be an incredibly effective way of yeah. marketing something. Like yeah. everyone remembers that Cabris advert with the gorilla. Like sometimes yeah, yeah. you reach a point yeah. where just reminding people and getting people talking about you again is enough you don't even have to sell the product
0: at all Mm, interesting do you remember any as a as a younger person do you remember what it was that other than playground tittle tattle and whatever do you remember was there any assets or things being targeted at you as a kid obviously i think with the price being what it was and the and the, the games being not generally kind of that child specifically child friendly at that point but was there anything that reached you as a, as a younger person? I
1: I can't remember like any kind of imagery or like I, like I I go back and watch the trailers and I go oh yeah I, I do remember that but not like not in like actual memory it's something that needs to be triggered um, but what I do remember is just this feeling, like the weight of expectation like yeah. all of my friends are talking about it. Um, even like adults were talking about it. It's just the sheer, the sheer gravity of its
0: existence was the thing that I remember <laughs> yeah. most. The PlayStation 2. Somehow you can never... I think the 2, you can never kind of top that in a way. I know that sounds like a really silly thing to say because obviously <laughs> the 3 and the 4 and so on is, are literally higher numbers and the PS4 and the fever pitch for PS5 is obviously you know off the but there was something about the this you know the p the playstation had almost redefined video gaming and the name playstation had become you know sort of ubiquitous and and perhaps replaced gaming and nintendo in the hearts and minds of people who grown up with it so the playstation 2 just felt so important so yeah. such such a big deal yeah the Press uh, obviously because the machine sold so well and PlayStation, there were already a load of PS1 mags. Uh, there were so many PS2, PS1 and PS2 mags. I uh, just uh, some of these I'd forgotten as well. But you could. This was again. We're still, although the internet existed, we're still pre the proliferation of broadband and everyone being online all the mm. time so magazines you could walk into your wh smiths or wherever and pick up as well as uh, the official playstation magazine of course and your usual all formats and uh, there were more of those back then as well you could pick up psm playstation plus playstation power playstation pro play gamer planet playstation psi 2 play magazine psw play nation and probably others that i've forgotten as well but uh, mm. did anyone uh, harvest magazines Oh, yeah, well, because cause I was a kid, right, and I couldn't buy
1: games. Demo discs, like, that was, yeah. I was constantly after, like, oh, there's there's one for the, the next Tekken or there's one for Spider-Man. Like, I had no taste at that point. It was just, like, anything I could get my hands on. So, and I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, like, a loyal follower of any one of these magazines. It was literally just... I would walk into a newsagent's or or any kind of shop and I would pressure my parent, uh, whoever was accompanying me, to buy me that magazine because I saw it had a demo disc and I wanted it. Oh, you brat! yeah absolutely it was terrible
0: (laughs) i remember the the cover price of opsm went up from uh 4.99 to 5.99 i think in the ps2 era which was not uh you know i mean it's the price of a pint now or whatever but back then again 5.99 for a magazine was like a bit of a teeth dryer yeah Mm -hmm.
3: they had to have some special games on that they had to have something that i
2: really wanted to check out on that disc it's interesting because oh. at the time, I, I never did. I never delved into the specialist magazines. I, just, I actually was very much from multi-format jobs at the time, so I was into... Did Games TM exist back then? I think it, did. Uh, it, was, I think it had just... just yeah, it, must it must be close It was in that point. era, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know I had The Edge, and I had a copy of mm-hmm. uh, The Edge with me when I went to, to E3 as well, and that was, that's another thing. But a lot of American colleagues were like, what the hell is that? Because you know, it looks
0: like a coffee table. Book, it's called magazine. Next Gen in America, wasn't it? It Edge was, yeah. yeah.
2: And uh but um yeah, so for me, my consumption from traditional paper media was always in the context of all the other platforms. Yeah. Uh I didn't really have any interest into and I didn't have because I was the age I was and really very well paid job, um I would just the way I would do it was actually Read the reviews or what have you, or indeed know people in the industry about certain games and just go and pick, buy them. Pick up,
0: pick up the hype, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. that's how I, I, that's my interaction with the media. So, because I was like, well, when this machine came out, when the when it came out, I was 29. Yeah. So, you know, I was, in, I, I'd just become qualified in my profession. So it's just, you know, I was, yeah, it's perfect. He's classroom. old enough to
0: be Josh's dad every I morning.
2: Mean, basically. <laughs> basically (laughs) Um, it's
1: it's really interesting because like this console generation like the the current console generation is i'm at that point right like i'm at a point where i have a job where i'm not i'm not too worried about like saving up for the latest games now i can just if i want something i can grab it so like this is my ps2 era it's just interesting i find yeah. that really fascinating yeah mm. so you can relate
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i used to buy there was so, you know as always with the magazine era some they varied wildly in quality depending and even the individual magazines would vary in quality over their lifespans depending on the the talent involved the writers the editor uh and how much care the publisher was putting in at any point uh, but my my i just shout out to play nation because it, it arrived relatively late and it was edited by uh, an old uh, acquaintance and and boss of mine Warren Christmas who was also the editor of the official PlayStation uh, official Dreamcast magazine and uh, and he used to sort of slip lots of uh, Easter eggs in there for uh, people who knew him and stuff uh, Brighton Hove Albion related and other things so I enjoyed that one but yes I was mainly a multi-format mag and then then the internet came along let's talk about the machine itself so I as always, when a console first is first shown, there's a lot of discussion about the way it looks. Currently, everyone's trying to get their heads around how the PS5 looks and how big it is. And I would say that one's incredibly divisive with probably more people erring on the side of, I don't really like it. Um, but without speaking for everyone, I'm sure some people like it. Uh, the PS2, again, at the time, it was a bit unlike anything we'd seen before. Uh my description would be groovy literally and figuratively uh, 2001 obelisk come electric fan heater with cool leds and a rotating logo would anyone care to expand on that did you just look at it and think oh my god that's the coolest looking thing ever or did you think okay i'll take it it's a ps2
3: um at the time i remember it was striking when you first saw it standing up as well i think that was where yeah that, that it's was something different with, wasn't it yeah, yeah i think because, like yeah I don't think there had been anything that was quite visually as as different as as any of the consoles. I mean, the GameCube's a box and...
0: Yeah, they yeah. nearly always showed it off vertical and with the official yeah. stand that they were going to charge you extra for, even though you don't yeah. really need it. It just stabilizes it. Uh And yes, vertical consoles hadn't been a thing, uh, uh, to my recollection up to this point. I can't think of an example of one. It was, it was a PC thing, and I think maybe it was partly... Sony's thinking that it would just imply it was more powerful if it stood up like a PC tower. I don't know. See,
3: I've wondered about that. I wondered if it was essentially a Japanese design thing where it was like small Fits apartments. on a bookshelf, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It fits. It takes that up less space on units so that it's not as, as, you know, when you stand it up, it can... It
0: just a smaller takes its footprint, yeah. Just, yeah. I'm going
2: to be that bloke, but I need to. I think you'll find, here we go, that there was a, a Japanese console that was vertically. I think it was the Sharp 68. 100? Oh, was that a vertical yeah. one? Okay, that's, cool. That was a vertical one. So just there was the, just, I suppose
0: just, the Apple Pippin was. Well, that was a kind of hybrid thing. But yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I did not I honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen an X sixty eight thousand. So yeah. that's my ignorance. No, there.
2: that's so. Just want to make sure that you got, you know, got those comments. We've got to get a fact yet. straight. Yes, yeah, no, you're um, absolutely
0: right. I'm looking at one now. Yeah, yeah. so if it was modelled after anything. It, it may have been, been that. Yeah.
2: Now Do I remember have... the Edge writing a rather long praisy about how awesome the aesthetics of the PlayStation 2 was. Trust me, they really did. I remember the article. For oh, sure, yeah. And uh, they kept on making reference to you know Kubrick's 2000, you know Monolith, uh, and that sort of evoking yes, yes. that kind of thing of you know touching it, and all of a sudden we pick up a bone and start hitting each other with said bone. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I just, I just really it enthused me because it was so unusual.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, I loved the Dreamcast, and I had a Dreamcast, and I wasn't, but I just loved each platform for its own merits. Everyone knows that about me. I just, just that's that's me all over. And I didn't. The Dreamcast has its own thing. My only, you know, beef with the Dreamcast was the controller. But we're not here to talk about that machine. This machine, uh, done that for one. me, yeah, we've done that one. Uh, the aesthetics of of uh, I, I really i got a love for me the spinning of the of the um of the logo was just a lovely mm. little touch i love good it. touch yeah, it yeah. great I and the blue light the blue light the power light of the blue
0: they were very cool that it was very really cool and yeah. <laughs> blue leds
2: were a relatively recent invention and yeah. that coming on and put the for them for Sony to put that in was a bit of a statement of theirs i didn't realize yeah. at the time but looking mm. back on it it was very much a Hey, come on!
0: And there were two LEDs, weren't there? It so were. you've got your green, your, your yeah. power on and your what the other one was the standby, eject, standby. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, oh, anyway, I it do had two
1: lights. with <laughs> with the design of the PlayStation Two. I, w- I do wonder how much, and I, this may be intentional, it may not be, and there's probably a ton of caveats to this. But like, how much of its design was kind of like trying to position video games as like a more mature medium because for sure i look at the ps2 compared to pre and uh, you know this comes with like i know games games themselves were were pushing the medium to to be more mature Mm -hmm. ages ago right but like when i talk about like the cultural perception the the mainstream cultural perception of games like the ps2 felt like something that was targeted more older people. That's part of why it was really appealing to kids as well, because it felt like a, yeah, a, trans, a transgression. Mm. Um, but like it, it did feel like this isn't like a Fisher-Price toy anymore. No. This is like a piece of tech.
0: It could be part of a hi-fi tower, and indeed mine was. You know, yeah. I had a, a stack of things, and it of course performed that extra function of being the DVD player, which, which we'll talk a bit more about, but it can't be underestimated how important that was into its in- initial push uh and yeah the only thing that i remember thinking i wasn't so keen about is all the the grooves on the front because they you could just see as soon as you you looked at it that they were gonna be dust magnets they were just gonna gather little shelves of dust each one if the front had been smooth i think it would have been sexier to call you know i don't really like calling bits of plastic sexy but
3: i mean i'm just so you've just posted those those images around the the thing but yeah, Mine's on, uh, yeah, they've got the aqua blue one there, but I'm really wishing that I got the the bright yellow one for some reason. <laughs> it
2: does. I yeah. really like I, that one. I'm with you there, um, but yeah, I I, I, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen it ever were, no, anywhere. No, I've never seen it. Definitely not. It looks like the outer box of the uh, the PlayStation Two Slim, yeah, but, uh, Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: the um, all the packaging for the PS2 stuff had uh, yellow flashes on it, didn't it? For the accessories and that, or at least yes, one stage. Yes,
2: but the actual machine
1: yeah. itself was dark blue. Yeah. I you see I feel like there's a reason why you don't see many of those yellow ones because out of those 5 that are there it looks hideous to me. I'll, I'll <laughs> <get
0: this>. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who had a silver one that I don't I think yeah, I, I may have seen yeah. a yellow one in a second hand shop. Um, it's good. It was. It's. It was. It would be a good one for smokers because it wouldn't necessarily go the color that my Dreamcast is. Because <laughs> I, I
3: remember when I went in to buy this, when I bought mine, they had the silver and they had the aqua blue. Mm. But I thought that everybody wants the silver, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna get the blue one. Yeah, um, pretty nice. And that was. I, I remember that specifically. Is I haven't seen the blue one in many places. You know, the, that one stood out to me as different. So I thought I'll get that one instead. The white one is quite
0: nice, I think. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a yeah, like a, a a proper red one which oh, reminds yeah. me of a Sith trooper.
2: It does, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, or Tower from Blade Runner, either way.
0: And they also released a series of more pastelly coloured ones, like a, a powder blue yeah. one and a and a sort of lilac y one. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know if they, if all models came out everywhere. Often these things are targeted um, around the world, aren't they? But um, hmm. there was also. Uh, The PSX, the digital video recorder, uh, which was released in 2003, Japan only, uh, which contained the guts of a PS2, as well as being a a home, you know, video device with uh, came with a remote and a white controller. That was basically a a big white box that sat only horizontally. As far as I know, the slimline arrived in 2004. Uh, I didn't I never needed one of these because mine was still working. Um, they they were kind of rather than going for the complete remodel as as has been the case more recently mm. they went for essentially a similar looking device albeit with a, a, a minor minor tweak to the to the aesthetic but smaller um, I thought they were they're quite
3: slim I mean they're, they're tiny, very small pink, yeah but they've got isn't isn't that the one with the flip top lid as well it is
2: yes and this is the one yeah. I mm. have
0: okay um, you got a slim
2: yeah I've got a slim silver one. And uh, they are amazing because the power supply is outside now, not within the machine. Therefore, the fan and that kind—they don't really get that hot. But Mm. they are what I marvel at is that they're no big. They're about um, a hand and a half long, if that. Yeah, really small, and yet so much entertainment is delivered from such an amazingly
0: small device. (laughs) Yeah. I remember and, thinking that about the PS one that we talked about on that show, like it's yeah, barely bigger yeah. than the disc. Yeah. This is slightly bigger than that, but still like it's just, yeah, it's such a And the flip yeah.
2: lid removes the risk of the tray breaking down because there isn't True. one. It's just now the mechanism of the, the disc. This is what drew me to replace my original launch PlayStation Two with it. Because yeah. I thought that's gonna it's gonna go. It's a mechanical device. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. Mm. But I was just convinced after seeing other machines of other you know manufacturers fall into bits.
0: Yeah. I thought it's going to die. Really low PS two. The the original model though had. I mean the PS one famously was rickety and the laser would drop out and it's and the drive would grind and you know they they were not that robust. The PS two I they, they were. I don't remember. I'm sure they did fail, but I, uh, there was no. There's no you know equivalent of red ring of death or yellow light of doom with those or all the ps1 problems they were just they were pretty solid weren't they
1: yeah. Mm. yeah well i mean testament to that i still have the ps2 that the friend gave me and it there still works there we 20 go 20 years on
0: yeah yeah, yeah mine yeah. must be uh i traded mine i guess in it would have been in whenever winning 11 7 came out so yeah about 2003 i'm still using the same one it still works
3: yeah, I think the failure rate of consoles has definitely increased as the generations have gone. Well, it feels like there was definitely a point with the PS3 and the Xbox 360 that it was, like, huge issue, but, yeah. yeah. The PS2, I I've still I think, got.
0: Sorry, Jake, go ahead.
3: No, I've still got all my, like, all the original consoles, N64, GameCube, Dreamcast, I've still got my original ones of those, and they still work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think every other console since has been replaced.
0: It's interesting now because I think the Dreamcast was my first console which had a fan in it to keep it cool, and then the PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, every console of that generation and, and since have had cooling systems. The PS2, I think, was possibly slightly quieter than the Dreamcast, uh, but it was probably like I, it did make a noise while it's running, and I think. Back then, it was just like, well, okay, that's just how a PS2 sounds. It wasn't something to to particularly worry about because we had this astonishing machine in our homes. Uh, whereas now, obviously, fan noise is a real consideration, especially with the particularly the last generation PlayStation system being insanely loud at points. Mm. Um, but yeah, back then, I mean, it's certainly I don't remember ever fighting the volume of the you know the game with the fan, but it, but you could hear it it was uh, it wasn't silent like a super nintendo put it that way uh, there were many many variations within the hardware i'm not a technical person but i do remember talk on forums among modders about the variations there were basically 18 different configurations i think with and pro- possibly more but version 0 to version 18 were how they were referred to by the the modding community uh, based on on whatever uh, internal setup you had mm. Uh, I don't think they changed quite as obviously as the PS One, where they kept changing the, you know, they they reduced the output options and stuff like that. But um, oh, and there was one other machine that's worth mentioning. I don't know if this came out el- worldwide, but the Sony Bravia KDL twenty two PX three hundred in twenty ten. It's a TV with a PS two in it, basically. Um, it's it's a it's a Bravia of the time, so it's got a pretty big fat bezel and it's seven twenty p, but. It's probably a really good way to play PS2 games, I guess, if you want a dedicated setup. So it had the MIPS R5900 Emotion engine in it, which is the kind of thing you call your CPU to make people think that it's magic yeah. when it isn't. Um, but it was a powerful machine for the time. It ran at 294 and a bit, almost 295 megahertz. Interestingly, the slimline ps2 actually run uh actually ran slightly faster but i reckon such a tiny amount faster as to not probably uh digital foundry would struggle to detect any improvements that it would make to frame rates in games but maybe maybe you'd pick up one frame every couple of minutes (laughs) or something at 299 megahertz on gta 3 or something Uh, it had a whopping 32 megabytes of uh, system ram and four megabytes of video ram which is Not very much by today's standards. Uh, You could put games on CDs or DVDs and uh, you would occasionally, if there was an error, it was, I would say, it was a little bit sensitive to disc read errors, the old PS2. Like you had to make sure your disc was clean, I found. Uh, Maybe I just had slightly pernickety machines, but I do remember buying a game, um, a version of Guilty Gear, and it just would not, it would not read it. And I took it back to the shop and the guy tested it and said, well, it works here, so I'm not going to give you a refund. So I took it back home, tried it again, and it worked, of course. Uh, and I could get it to load once every so often. Interestingly, the PS2 had a sort of built-in diagnosis feature, which did a, sort of do its best to fix some errors. No idea how it worked, but you could, one of the options when loading a disc was to switch on diagnosis and it would try harder to launch the game. Why that wasn't just on by default, anyone? <laughs> no That's idea. weird.
2: Uh, just, uh, just on this, I remember reading an article at the time the close to release of the uh, close-to-release of the PlayStation 2 and saying that uh, some games were on discs, uh, That's right. just compact discs, rather than DVD, and yeah. they were much easier to copy, and that was a yes. whole piracy thing. Yeah. Um, whereas um, DVDs were at the time, if you remember, remember twenty years ago, mm. were more difficult because you didn't have DVD writers as we do. You know, uh, uh, eventually became common.
0: Yeah, so they were more the expensive. Yeah.
2: And yeah. There's also one thing we haven't. I'm not, I was looking at the notes, and just, we do we are, we are going to acknowledge the fact that the PlayStation Two is 100 percent backwards compatible with the PlayStation One.
0: No, it's a it's a fair point. I didn't really think about it, but yes, mm. absolutely, very good point. Um, given that. Nothing else has been maybe uh, maybe the Wii with the GameCube, but very few machines actually boast that as a proper full-blown feature, 100% backwards compatibility. Mm. Uh, it seems like this current gen, we're going to have proper backwards compatibility with games of the previous gen on both Xbox and PS4. But at the time, that was a huge deal. And because, you're absolutely right, because the PS1 had been so massive, nearly everyone had a big old library of PS2 game, uh, PS1 games. Yeah and you could even uh, you could even add a little bit of uh, anti aliasing if you wanted to yeah
3: yeah i mean um it, it's interesting with that stuff i mean how relevant that is to the 158 million units sold as well yeah you know yeah. Like,
0: just an upgrade rather than a starting yeah, yeah. all over again thing also yeah you could even plug in your old dual shocks couldn't you so you didn't need although they weren't 100% compatible with all future mm. games you could just plug in your existing controllers, which, again, when you're considering the outlay, I think controllers were, at this point, 30 or £35. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, would be the equivalent, of roughly, of what they are now, to buy, yeah, to buy a PS4 controller. To, yeah.
2: Well, another thing, as well, is the memory cards. So mm. if you wanted to save a, a PS1 game, you had to have a PS1 memory card in the machine. Remember if you said yeah. correctly? Mm-hmm. You couldn't use a PlayStation 2 memory card. It was, wasn't compatible. So, that's right. But that was yeah. the, the, but that's important to note that and I do remember playing um the PS1 games on the PS2 via component and just it looked sure. so much better. So yeah. much
0: better. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um I kept my PS1 simply because it was uh it was already modded so I couldn't play imports on my PS2. But yes, I played Pal PS1 games on my PS2 from then on. And yeah, that is the one, the one machine that Sony did keep compatibility with for at least one more generation after that. Jobo Bonobo from the forum says, Games were not the primary reason we even rented the PS2 in the first place. It was to see what these mysterious DVDs were all about. You could watch films on a disc. Madness. Since DVD playback was a major selling point of the PS2, we were curious to find out more. We rented Lake Placid. The one with the giant crocodile. And while the movie itself was so-so, we were more than sold on the technology itself. We could pause and there would be no static lines like on videotape. The picture quality was so much higher and selecting chapters meant that you could easily replay your favourite parts as much as you like at the push of a button. This was a very smart move by Sony and I'm sure many a PS2 was sold because of its uh, use as a DVD player alone. This made up for the meh launch in many ways but thankfully this console does become more than a DVD player in the span of a year.
3: I mean that, that's an interesting point as well because not only are we seeing the, sort of, the arrival of broadband within this generation but DVDs as well were they sort of You know, 2000, 2001, 2002 is when they really sort of blew up.
0: Yeah.
3: You know, and films like The Matrix on DVD were major selling. I mean, I think there was even a PS2 bundle that came with, like, the DVD of The Matrix and stuff like that, or or films like Fast and the Furious Mm -hmm. or
0: something. Yeah, i just recently bought a DVD player Mm. before I got my PS2, so it was less of a, a, a sell for me. And actually, the DVD playback quality on the PS2 was pretty crummy. The 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 yeah. encoded playback was grainy compared to any dedicated DVD player, but if it was
2: it's better than VHS, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I'm just shocked that um, uh, Joe Bobinobo didn't play The Matrix. I thought that you were legally obliged to do so um, when you got a PS2. PS2. But yeah, Lake Placid. <laughs> that's where you Where well, you see, you could have done the whole Deja Vu Black Cat thing instead, but no, he went for that. Fine.
0: <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you mentioned component there, which is one of the video out options for the PS2. Obviously, it came boxed with wonderful old composite, RF, coaxial, whatever it is, just whack it in the back of your aerial socket like every console to that point and look like crap. Um, I encouraged I was that guy who, again, with the PS1, as I'd done with that, with that console, said, just please go and buy an RGB SCART lead for £5 and put it in the RGB SCART, socket of your tv not the not the non-rgb socket because it won't look as good i did all that and uh yeah so you could have what looked like pixel sharp imaging back in back in the day uh there was also a vga option as there was with the dreamcast but um i don't know anyone who who mucked around with that
3: no i was um specifically component on everything that it, that would accommodate it yeah. i used to have a i think i've i've still got it in a box upstairs which is i think it's Joytech. Like component switch, so you hook your consoles into that and then just switch over to whichever one you know. Because I only had one component input for yes, the TV, yeah, so
0: always, it's yeah. just yeah. yeah,
2: so I had all this stuff yeah. the days when before I hook, receivers, I guess. But when I hook
0: it up now, I uh, I only have the option of component, I think, because that's all my TV's got from that era, so no SCART sockets anymore, it's just got a, just got a component.
3: Yeah, I did. Have, actually, I did have, a, I mean, Chris just mentioned a receiver. I had a receiver at the time. I had a sound system, but it wasn't running video out. Oh, you couldn't run video through it. Oh, right. So it wasn't until a few years later that I got a, like a Yamaha sort of receiver that I could run. I mean, it was around about the time of PS3 when when it had a, DV, a, a HDMI input yeah. as well. So it's like. That's when ugh, it's a bloody nightmare with that stuff. To be honest, I don't miss that genera I don't miss that that element of gaming being so finicky about yeah. every cables. The cables. There's a simplicity to it now where it's
2: just the HDMI and job done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. back then, you. I mean, I do have composite for this generation of machines like Xbox original, yeah. PS2, and GameCube. And the GameCube one, I still don't know how I got it, but I do own it. Uh, and they're very hard to come by because they have got a microchip on them for reasons Nintendo only know themselves
0: the component yeah yeah,
2: yeah the component yeah. cable but you have to the, the quality of the cable actually mattered um mm. shocking uh, yeah. for a component you mm. really need to have very good quality component cables to get most out of them
0: shocking yeah. but there it is yeah for sure <laughs> and of course i would imagine of those 158 million ps2s probably 95 percent of them were just jacked into a tv with the what came in the box yeah which is kind of a shame but um, if people yeah. were happy it doesn't matter i guess Uh, The PlayStation 2 may natively output video resolutions on SDTV and HDTV from 480i to 480p, while other games such as Gran Turismo 4 and Tourist Trophy, also by Polyphony Digital, are known to support upscaled 1080i resolution using any of the following standards. Composite video, S-Video, RGB, VGA for progressive scan games uh, and PS2 Linux. Yes, that was a thing uh the component video which display most original ps uh, one games in their native 240p mode mm-hmm. which most hd tv sets do not support and d terminal cables are available for all of these signal types these cables also output analog analog stereo audio additionally an rf modulator is available for the system to connect to older tvs and look like crap audio output options uh, so yes a to- this is where i got my first toslink um uh, my uh for my 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 surround amp which is still going uh my acoustic solutions 5.1 system which uh, my girlfriend bought for me 16 years ago and is still how i play my game audio to this day uh you could also output uh 2.0 pcm 5.1 and 6.1 which was you know these were very exciting for ps2 era dolby digital dolby digital surround ex dts dolby uh Theater sound, I think that one is, isn't it? Or digital mm. theater sound. And DTS-ES formats. So, yeah, this was, again, for those who cared, for those who were into this stuff, audiophiles and techophiles, you could make your console sound like never before. Chris, you wanted to...
2: I did. I want to jump into this because when I found out about this, I saw a little strange port on the back of the PS2. I'm like, what, what is that? What's that for? And there's all this... The concept of optical sound output, rather than yeah. an analog, but using an optical digital signal to reduce any kind of hiss or distortion of any kind, um, that excited me because uh, I've always been fascinated by sound and how. I'm, knowing that the PlayStation Two was going to spin a lot of its music and sound from the DVD, but surely because of the sheer size of data you could put into those things, that's something they were crowing about at the time. Something they've kind of stopped doing these days. Can't think why. Um, and that for me, I actually bought these, what are they called Cambridge 2000 drivers? And it's a, oh. just a pair of speakers that I still own to this day. They throw sound out. They're tiny. They're about, I don't know, about, uh, about three quarters a foot long, about 200 mil long, and it's just like it easily fit into a shoebox. But they can just throw out sound all across the room like you would not believe and they are you know um optical um, driven toss link cable tiny thing thing i still it has got a bass unit as well and i've yet to find anything that comes close yet but right. it's been hmm. that long that i'm just so uh, this is the point where i went okay there, there, this this is what this is how you should hook up your your audio sound and also, I mean, now it's you know the HDMI pumps the sound in, but the output is actually going from the television to these speakers, uh, and the, the television has no part in the audio. Just give me the picture, thank you very much. And yeah. The audio, I'll deal with elsewhere. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, and, uh, and that's how the the opticals
0: know. being dropped from next gen. Sadly, no yeah. more optical cable, no. um, which is a shame for me because that kind of renders my old amp redundant. I have to find a new solution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, but. Um, no, that's that for me was just a real ear-opener. Hey! There you go. I did mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, we're very happy. To, I haven't looked back since.
0: And the front end of the PS2, I think I have... This is possibly the area uh, that I have the most actual sort of affection and nostalgia for, weirdly, from the boot-up. Like we talked about... Mm. So boot-up noises for consoles weren't even a thing until the PS1 generation. Uh you either had a cartridge in or you didn't, and the game would come on or it wouldn't. And then, obviously, with the PS1, we got the famous noise that I'm not going to try to recreate again. Uh, and the Dreamcast had that wonderful swirl and the sound by uh Sakimoto and 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 all this stuff. The PS2 went again rather than a very triumphant, kind of bombastic opening, went for this rather understated but ethereal sort of sci-fi thing which has sort of get again tied in with the look of the console and the idea that it was something other something intriguing that was opening portals to to other universes and things like that and I think they absolutely nailed the kind of the look and feel of the front end as simple as it is you've got these crystalline cubes that you navigate for, to set the time and your audio visual outputs um but it's just got this just I, I don't know I haven't got the name of the the technicians behind the the ui um here but uh i've yeah it's just it's evocative to me how about you folks
1: yeah i mean talk about like i I was saying before like this is like a formative period for me but like i i I hadn't really thought about it until like right this second but just the aesthetic of the ps2's ui yeah it's like I can draw a line from that to so many kind of visual decisions in other media that I really, really like. <laughs> like the 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 kind of chilled out, kind of somber atmosphere. Not not somber, but you know what I mean, like kind of like weirdly unemotional kind of atmosphere. Key, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, I and I, I love this this sound design and this visual design so much that this is literally the theme that i have for my ps4 i've made my ps4 into oh, a ps2 beautiful. because of it
3: i yeah i mean it is It just, i mean all these these sort of boot up sounds are like immediately kind of
0: pavlovian response things yeah, yeah
3: straight yeah. away but i've often felt that in a way it's a shame that video game companies have never done what movie companies have done you know the like you you look at the uh, I don't know like any of the major studios like Paramount Universal they have an immediately recognizable kind yeah. of logo animation that a starts through line up and, that they just yeah. stick with yeah yeah and that that has kind of been improved upon and reanimated yes. over the decades CGI yeah yeah you immediately you know you can recognize the studio from like if you show me a mountain it's like bang yeah yeah Paramount you know it's like done you know, Columbia TriStar or something. I've always felt video game companies should have emulated that sort of thing. I'd say Sony have
0: been a bit more consistent in the way that their front ends look and feel, but not. The, yeah. the, they haven't stuck with one I mean, they've thing.
3: kept with their PlayStation logo, per se, you know, with the logo still the sort, logo's of, the still the same. The sort yeah. of, yeah, yeah. angled the sort font. of S. And, yeah, so that's just been decolourised and just turned to a white only version, which is the, the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's like that, but I always feel like it would have been Interesting if they'd had like a you know, if we could compare the PS1 startup and then had the PS5 or whatever, totally it would have been yeah. a completely like revamped version of it or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, they are very different
2: for me. It, um, I, I love it the aesthetic and the 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 serial sounds constantly rolling in the background and mm. changing certainly beat the Xbox original with the demonic madness.
0: Blah, 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 yeah, blah. chattering in the background. <laughs> that's, that's my interpretation of that. It's just like... <laughs> Green go, slime exploding everywhere. It's, yeah, it's
2: just what's, what's going Okay. It's just like when you hear the strange sort of tittering and the sounds like, what, what, what are you thinking? Whereas in this, this is a very warm, welcoming, although you're right, definitely implies that this is a portal and it could be into all sorts of realms. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I big thumbs up. And I'm not sure if it is. I mean, because the the earliest me- memory I have of a machine being turned on is probably the Sega Master System. Because I think that would turn on we without a con. Cartridge mm. on because how else Find can you play? St- you can't exactly. play the stale game, so, yeah. So, but and then it later
0: did, it was Alex Kidd, I think,
2: wasn't it? Indeed, yeah. But it did come on with the Sega logo, and so uh, there was there okay. that.
0: So, well, but it's, not re- <laughs> it's not really the same as it is, no, it still
2: yeah. does something when you turn it on, and it's got nothing okay, in it. I'm fair just enough. saying,
0: but, yeah. fair enough. Um, and the other delight, I think, about the uh, the, the the UI, the front end, as it were, with the PS2, now the PS1 had this to an extent because you had little 2D sort of pixelated bitmapped images that you could have animated versions of. But with the PS2, if you plugged in a memory card or two and had a a good amount of save games, everyone would have an animated, sometimes not animated if the developer hadn't bothered, but every game would have its own little polygonal memory card icon, which might be a character from the game, or it might be a little monster or, you know, something like that. That was such fun.
3: Yeah, and it's something that I kind of that 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 stuff is something that I kind of miss from yeah. like today's consoles. I was like one that sort of always immediately springs to mind when you mention that is the um, the Onimusha one. Yeah, and you've got this kind of little chibi kind of uh,
2: samanosuke yeah. that kind of rotates. Yes. As yes. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that, Jay, because because uh, that game, big big fan, and re- suddenly remember that you're right. Because uh, it's so rare that you, because when you're playing the game on PlayStation Two, and when you had everything set up the way you wanted it, you very rarely mm. went to this screen. You didn't see it because you you put the you you put the game in, and right, it would turn on and then immediately boot into it. You'd never see the screen. So, yeah, um,
0: nice touch, nice touch, little Easter eggs yeah. um, in there, and much more. Yeah, sort of endearing, almost in a you know. We talk about Nintendo's UIs being so much more generally. Before the switch, which is a little more austere, uh, although they've recently added some Mario's to the shop. Um, yeah. Famously, you know, the Wii and the Wii U has this, and the 3DS have these very chirpy, cutesy Nintendo esque environments, and there's n- there's nothing like that with the PS2. It's completely it goes for a completely different mm-hmm. thing. However, when you jump into the memory card place and you find little little bubs and bobs doing you know popping bubbles or something, it's just yeah. that little makes it a little bit bit warmer of a place, much more so than yeah, if you. Download the HD version of Onimusha to your PS4. You've just got a list of data, yeah, basically.
3: Yeah, I think there was because you when you click on the memory card um, icon, there's an option there to I think delete. Yes, and you can highlight it. And if I'm now, this is vague memory, but I'm pretty sure that if you click, if you highlight the delete option. Particularly with, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it was Onimusha on because I'm, uh, the, it might have been another character, right. but the character's head bows down like he's sad and shaking,
0: <laughs> and he's like just and and I was, that's amazing. I do th- I think you're right. I think they did they could have if again if the developer had yeah, done it, they they yeah. did have the option of of little context sensitive yeah, uh, interactions.
3: Yeah. You know, in itself, the fact that people have thought about this and planned it and and you know created it, I think is so kind of yeah
0: awesome the controller was in almost every way a logical progression from the, the dualshock one mm. but there was one key difference i think i don't think the dualshock one ha- had the analog buttons that the ps2 controller did the not many games really utilized this stuff but i have very good memories of Metal Gear Solid 2 and Grand Theft Auto 3 actually utilising the fact that every button on that controller, apart from the click-in sticks, L- L3 and L 3 uh, every button had 255 degrees of sensitivity that you press. So in GTA 3, for example, you could hold down the uh, cross button, not the X button. And if you held it down as hard as you could, you would floor the accelerator. However, if you wanted to drive around inconspicuously at a... Uh, a sensible non-cop baiting speed, you could hold down the X button lightly, the cross button, and drive at a sensible 40 miles an hour or whatever. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 used this with the holding up of enemy soldiers, where you could slowly release the trigger not to shoot them and things like this. But I think for the most part, the reason this feature got dropped from future machines and, and other platforms was because developers didn't really know what to do with it. Has anyone else got any memories of actually using this stuff? Because I think I would suggest a lot of people didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Uh, my my main memory of this is with Metal Gear Solid 3, yeah. which for the most part is a game that I really, really love. But one thing I hate is that if you're hold, like grappling someone, holding yeah. them with a knife if you press the square button in too tightly, Uh, snake will just slit the person's throat and they're dead. mm. Um, And when you're in a stressful situation and you're trying desperately to drag this person, you know, into a cupboard or what have you, and there are people (laughs) pursuing you, you might accidentally, due to stress, hold that button a little bit tighter than you intend. And me being the pacifist that I am, I have to reload because I'm like, I can't live with myself. Yeah. so that was a bit frustrating I'm glad they kind of phased that out
0: maybe that's why maybe I, I think it was one of those things that people weren't really aware of it developers didn't really use it and when it was utilized people kind of struggled with it a bit
2: yeah. so yeah I think it translated itself and for me personally it was only the driving sims and stuff like that when I encountered it generally yeah. speaking most games didn't really use it that much but no. for me I think it's actually still around but we don't want to talk don't really acknowledge it but I think the sensitivity of the triggers and the sensitivity of thumbsticks. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. They are, but now they, that's where it's been migrated to. So the, true, the, true. the actual action yeah. sticks are, are now analog, or no, binary, <laughs> uh, just on-off, on-off. Whereas everything yeah. else, the def, especially after sp- playing uh, Outer Wilds, sorry to distract, but that game needs a really, yeah. really sensitive thumbsticks in order to actually make yeah. your way through a certain planet, which I won't talk about.
0: It's true the uh the the thumbsticks on the DualShock the DualShock Dual 2 yeah. still had the 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 kind of dead zone issues that all yeah. Sony controllers have had maybe less so the DualShock 4. 4 but um but yeah uh other add-ons peripherals and accessories well yes you had to have a memory card i think they were 8 megabytes yes, by were. default yeah yeah, eight, yeah. uh did they release fatter ones later on
4: like only third on party GameCube. might have done, but
0: only I never party. used them. Yeah, mm. yeah, they, they were pretty uh, generous. It wasn't like where PS1 I ended up with like six memory cards. With the PS2, I think I only had ever had a couple.
2: Yeah, mm. I had to have one for EverQuest. That right, it.
0: that it, makes sense. Because it, it, it wouldn't work. You couldn't. Chris, you could have got a 40 gigabyte hard disk drive, which apparently existed.
2: Yeah, not in this country.
0: No. No, no right. I was going to say, I've no. never seen this. They, never, they yeah. only
2: released it in North America and Japan, as far as I'm aware. I wonder if you could try. import,
0: maybe. Would yeah, it you can do
2: it now. Uh, but back then it wasn't officially yeah. endorsed.
0: Who? Which? Which of you suckers sprung for the horizontal and vertical stands? I mean, no, the vertical one, okay, <laughs> but the horizontal stand, possibly <laughs> the biggest yeah. white elephant Sony yeah. has ever released in terms of what Horsamor. is it? Armor? Is that the Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, all it did was gave you a nice blue wedge at the bottom of your... It's <laughs> all it did. It's, it's even only giving it's you a, a literal difficult.
0: and metaphorical wedgie with it that. It
2: didn't even yeah. add any ports or anything like that. It's just a bit of plastic with a kind of funky-looking blue wedge at the bottom of it.
0: That's a total rip-off.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I saw you come in. Um, there was a multi-tap because even though we'd already had uh, so... yeah actually this was the only console this generation and indeed we'd already had the n64 but the gamecube and the xbox both had four controller ports but sony were like nah we can sell as well as as well as wedgies we can sell you multi-taps um so yeah they released a multi-tap and most of my friends had one because we all played pro evo together and to play Four or eight player Pro Evo. I think, was there eight player? Anyway, at least four player. I was about to ask
2: if he could actually put it in both ports and then, then. You the could quadruple. on some games. Yeah. So yeah. Bomberman and stuff like that. Usual yes. suspects. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, the media remote, I'm sure, did good business because of the DVD capacity. Although, again, it was inessential because you could do everything through a standard controller and the dashboard. But a lot of people bought one, didn't they? Because you could, you know, you weren't wired to the TV then. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah itoy uh but jesse fuchs is an itoy fan and he wants to talk about his love for the itoy right here
4: hello everyone uh this is jesse fuchs you may remember me from such episodes as rayman prince of persia missile command and others Uh, I'm here to talk about the PS2 and my very specific experience with it, which I think is paralleled by a lot of other people's, where uh, looking through my PS2 games that I have here in a beautiful case logic uh, case, uh, it's basically two categories. A, games that were just really, really, really good and good enough to break through to someone like me, who at that point from you know, 2003 to 2007, uh, which would be when I'm paying attention, uh, is, uh, interested, but not like deep into video games at that point, probably paying more attention to, uh, indie comics. And, uh, this is when I was interning for Robert Criscow, the music critic. Uh, so very, uh, deep in that rabbit hole, uh, which is actually relevant, uh, as you'll see in a second. Um, but yeah, uh so things like Katamari Damacy, uh, uh Shadow of the Colossus, right? Uh from Software's Finest Game, The Adventures of Cookies and Cream, uh, Psychonauts, uh, Beyond Good and Evil. Uh these are right, these are the games that you know everyone loves. Uh, Ape Escape. Uh that kind of broke through to me and I must have probably read about in some uh, non video game magazine that had a video game column or something, or heard about from someone who was, who was more in tune with these things than I was. Um, Res, which actually I had a bootleg copy of on the Dreamcast. Uh, but that's not what I'm here to talk about because at least 60% of my collection and the reason that I got a PS2 was about just one very particular niche, right? And I think this is the point of having someone like me on here talking. Maybe there's even another five-minute clip uh, from someone else uh, about their niche, because that's the thing with the PS2, right, is it was so huge and so popular and so relatively easy to develop for that you have such a vast software library that you can have someone like me who's, you know, half paying attention, essentially, uh, but who has one particular niche that they really care about, and there's enough there that basically it becomes at least half a system for playing Uh, Rhythm games and iToy games and other what you might call experiential games, right? Uh, Karaoke Revolution, not exactly, a rhythm game. Uh, That part ends up incorporating to Rock Band later. Uh, But yeah, the reasons I really got a PS2 in 2003 was amplitude Karaoke Revolution, trying to think if there were other real killer apps in that vein. Uh, I'd seen Guitar Hero. Man, K. Thor Jensen had shown me that on his PS2, and that was very tempting. Uh, I knew there was a Parappa sequel that was, you know, so-so. But yeah, it was really about... and then seeing the iToy come out, right? This is a kind of game that I just inherently enjoy, uh, especially uh, at that time. Uh, but ever since, you know, with uh, Wii games, motion control, VR, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, I'm, I'm a fairly experiential uh, person where I just want to be doing something I inherently enjoy, uh, aiming for a score probably or something, because it's good to have a thing to focus on. But yeah, I like singing badly. I like hopping around on a mat. I like waving my arms wildly, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, or with something like Amplitude, just a really, really tight, ty- and frequency, an incredibly tight rhythm game. So yeah, this is uh, a lot of, certainly the people around me would remember me having a PS2 as having essentially a karaoke uh, karaoke revolution machine, right? Because I brought it to my family, brought it to parties and stuff like that, uh, and everyone had a very good time uh, playing those first few volumes of karaoke revolution, uh, which is just, right, you sing into a microphone, there's a little arrow going through a tube, you're trying to hit a pitch... Uh, you succeed or fail, people cheer or boo. Uh, my party trick was that with, uh, because it does not detect, uh, gaps or pauses, you can get through all of REM's It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine simply by going, and eh, for like 30 seconds at a time. Uh, then there's a chorus that has sort of a melody. Anyway, uh, yeah, the iToy, iToy Play... Uh, This is, yeah, there's a camera and you wave your arms around. Uh, I have a very distinct memory of my nephew, like just seeing the neurons grow because he was like three and he was standing in front of my TV playing the Kung Fu game where you're slapping the guys. But he is, of course, trying to slap the guys on the screen by slapping the guys on the screen. Uh, And I can see his brain figure out that sort of recursive like, oh, it is my hands on the screen, ah, nice. Um, That was very memorable. Also memorable was that I would sort of sit at a certain angle so that I could see him playing but not the TV because I just thought it was funny to watch my three-year-old nephew flail around wildly. Um, More like four or five, now that I'm thinking about the timeline because he was born in mid-99. Anyway. You get the gist. Uh yeah, and iToy Anti-Grav was one of my favorites. Uh I the genuinely astonishingly good game uh that functions within the limitations of you know the iToy camera. Um and uh, yeah, you're you're uh, basically uh, surfing uh, the cyber wave or something. You know, going there's different hidden paths. You you move your hands around to get objects. Really, uh, yeah, a, a bit uh, samba de amigo, I suppose, in terms of uh, you've got kind of middle, upper, and down for both of your hands. But you're also leaning left and leaning right to go on different paths. Uh, yeah, some really uh, those I, toy play compilations had some really shockingly fun uh well-designed mini games i think is kind of an underrated thing like nintendo land uh where you know you probably don't have a wii u but if you do you should that, that there's a unique set of experiences there you're not going to get anywhere else and i feel the same way if you have a ps2 pick up an Oi toy uh, it's been a long time since i plugged mine in but i should uh go back play a little anti-grav uh play a little of uh, the the play compilations uh i had an exercise one that uh there was a special Fisheye lens you're supposed to put over it that I lost, so that's lost the ages, but anyway, yes, and music games right sing sing some very bad karaoke, uh play some uh guitar U man, play some uh frequency, play mad maestro, a not very good classical game, uh which actually did use the pressure sensitive nature uh of the p s two controller buttons, which I don't really recall any other games doing, so you know, had that going for it. Oh, I also owned a bunch of compilations of like Intellivision games and Atari games and stuff like that. So yeah, there's another micro niche, you know, William's Greatest Hits. Uh, that, um, yeah, the PS2, a vast, vast, wonderful library, something for everybody, so wide ranging that even if I didn't pay it, even if I didn't know about Katamari Damacy and like good games like that, uh, even if I was just a mole in my very particular hole, I think it would have been worth it. I had a good time. My friends had a good time. Long live the PS2. This is Jesse Fuchs signing off.
0: From my point of view, I also, even though I, I can be quite down and skeptical about these kinds of add-ons, I'm you know, I'm notoriously a bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to Kinect, despite acknowledging it, it, the, the few great uses it got put to, such as that game that Ryan absolutely loves and uh, the fitness stuff. But iToy, I was a little sceptical at first. The first compilation, iToy Play, I thought was a little bit humdrum. But then iToy Play 2 came along and I had some great fun nights of this. Drunken nights, flailing my arms around with friends. Um, Also got Sega Superstars, which was a compilation of iToy stuff. Uh, In brief, for those who don't know or remember, it was just a a fairly low-grade webcam you could plug into your PS2. Put yourself on the telly and interact with the stuff on the screen. Anyone else have some iToy parties? You
1: see, for me, this, this, like, and I, I feel like if I went back to this now, I'd be like, this is rubbish. But as a kid, like, this was the best thing ever. Wow. Um, Excellent. I remember the first iToy play had like a mini game with ninjas, oh, where yeah. you just had yeah. to slap the ninjas. <laughs> I played that over and over and over again obsessively as kids do and I and I didn't play any other mini game in that collection it was just the ninja one but I fell head over heels in love with it that's it really I didn't play any other games of the iToy just that one Do you
2: remember getting it cuz I remember people get excited about you know controller free uh, interaction with video game yeah. consoles which that come to nothing right hmm. Anyway, and uh, I do remember getting engaged with it, but I never really... I did have one. I think I still do have it. Oh, yes, I know where it is. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. I never really got into it. I'm gonna, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I can see the appeal, but it just wasn't for me. I remember
0: knocking over uh, a few glasses of, of drink and stuff like that, and uh, it was a giggle. The one I regret not trying uh, is not Groove, the dancing one, but it's uh, iToy Antigrav, which I think was by harmonics, the frequency and amplitude and later Rock Band Studio. Uh, they did a kind of iToy wipeout kind of hybrid, which, uh, which was something I always was interested in playing, but never got around to. There were the buzz buttons. Now, mm. buzz was a bit of a... It was a sort of sleeper phenomenon. Uh, it was... Um, developed in Brighton i think it was you yeah.
3: Um, one Air street That's you know good. right yeah.
0: and uh yeah. and it was it was put out with the buttons uh you know which are kind of quiz show controllers we saw them later again on the xbox 360 with seen it a simple handset that allowed anyone to you know play but this this series i don't think they were expecting a huge amount of it but it was it was one of those that just kept it, just stayed in the charts and stayed in the charts and mm. stayed in the charts, and then boosted yeah. itself, and then they released umpteen thrilly umption versions of Buzz, Buzz with different question sets, and I think it ended yeah. up making a lot of money.
3: Yeah, I have the I have a copy of this. I have the first game and uh, the, the the controllers, which have the horror, the worst ever thin little wire attached to each of them and you feel terrified that, you know, one sharp tug and that thing's coming out. But, um, but no, they were fascinating games. I mean, it was, it was something that I, I remember when we first moved to Brighton, I went looking for Relentless because I was curious as to where they were because they were just, yeah, one hour street, which is, I think it was literally the only office that's actually, it's just part of a a unit that's on that, yeah, little side alleyway that you cut through.
0: That's right. But, um,
3: but yeah, it was, they were kind of, it was, because a, 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 Jason Donovan did the voice of Buzz, didn't
0: he? Oh, God, yeah. I'd totally forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. the character. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that... Did he keep going through all the games, or...?
3: I have no idea. Mm. I mean, it, sadly, they, they went bust about... God, it must be years ago now. Um,
0: yeah, I went to a developer talk by David Aymer, who was the head there, yeah. uh, in 2007. That was in Brighton, and yeah. he was talking about the then... Like, so the, the peak had gone... But Buzz still mm. existed by that point. Um, but he was talking about how it went down. But yeah, it wasn't long after that that yeah they uh, they it was one of those situations where they I think they ended up putting most of their eggs in the Buzz basket, and when the the Buzz bubble burst,
2: <laughs> I remember them coming with four controllers. Was it? Yeah, I yeah, I did. Yeah, that. and it had um, basically. Um, in, in a blister pack, and you had in the middle, you had the game itself. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and I, I was always tempted to get one, but I thought to myself, when's that going to happen, Chris? When's, you know, when are you going to have four people? Just personally, I didn't really see it happening. And mm. uh, so that's why I didn't bother. However, in these, you know, this is definitely the concept that Buzz continues to this day in the form of other um virtual sort of quiz games. Sort of- yeah, yeah things like jackbox and you don't know jack is now back and and stuff like this and they they've made a whole industry but now rather than the controllers you just they just rely on your smartphone yeah it's like where you just go mm. to your smartphone yeah. and use that you don't need these controllers anymore but back then those the, the, the smartphones Henry, those things, yeah it didn't exist
0: no. <laughs> it was a novelty and uh, and yeah, yeah and again great Stuff for this was before Wii Sports kind of came along and did the you know get your granny playing bowls kind of cliche. Yeah, yeah uh, low
2: barrier of entry, yeah. very very low barrier. And so something didn't that need to like video games still still enjoy, it, but precisely.
0: Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, similarly, SingStar. I mean, karaoke was already a, a big thing. It wasn't invented. You know, hundreds of years ago. I think it started in the seventies. Karaoke, yeah, in Japan, so, yeah. and obviously quickly became massive in japan and then spread worldwide fantastic singstar ps2 allowed you to rather than have to book a booth and you know go somewhere and whatever you could do karaoke parties in your own home or even on your own and again they released i have no idea how many SKUs they released for singstar but it was a lot and it carried on across the next two generations to some extent as well but this was the uh, the boom the peak singstar was everywhere and like you couldn't even walk into supermarkets without seeing blister packs with mics and copies of SingStar. star i don't know s club seven or whoever it was at the time um i never had it and it wasn't it wasn't my thing I, I didn't get into the microphone business until uh rock band <laughs> but um but yeah you can't mention ps2 without mentioning things like buzz and sing star because they were they were a big deal and they helped keep floating that ps2 boat right
2: yeah, it's not something I'd gravitate towards, even despite the fact that I can actually sing quite well. It just wasn't thing I wanted to get into. It's just not, no. No, it's just, uh, but I can see the appeal. I can definitely see, and it ran right up until the present day, right? It's still knocking about, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Well, I um, think
0: they released the client SingStar, and obviously they changed the model when yeah. online came along, so you download songs. But I right. think I'm not sure it's any available anymore from the PS Store. Mm. I think
2: they it, can. No, there was a new store that, that shut it down, I remember now. But, yeah,
0: it, 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 it had legs. It's be It'll sad. be back. Good. There'll be something in the future. Yeah,
2: there'll be something. No doubt. That maybe start singing into the PS5 controller. Nothing bad can happen there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it was not the first console to support keyboard and mouse, certainly not, and not the last either, but it did have a keyboard and mouse, apparently, uh, came with and for the PS2 Linux pack. Uh, I mean, anyone? I don't know anything about this.
2: I saw photos of it. Right. I was really tempted. Then I came to my senses right. uh, because I had a very large PC at the time, but it looked beautiful. If you look, take, look up photos, they look amazing. <laughs> But I did get a keyboard for the PS2.
0: Yeah, it was just USB, didn't uh, it? This was the first console with USB yeah. ports, right?
2: Yeah, and two reasons. First of all, one for EverQuest, and secondly for um, Amplitude. But we'll talk about it later.
0: <laughs> and one little doobry that I did have, because it was, uh, again, not to facilitate cheating, but to facilitate the internet download of option files, was the Action Replay USB thumbstick doohickey, where you could download stuff from the internet onto the thing and then put the thing in the PS2 and then put the thing from the thing into the memory card. So for PES players, if you weren't doing the whole patching the disc stuff, you could wait for the people out there who are insane about editing every last kit, ball, boot, sponsor, etc. in your sports game and just use their work to make your game more official which was pretty cool. Evil Ninja Phil from the forum says, I bought a PS2, but you know what? I traded it in for a GameCube when that was released. I enjoyed having a PS2. I enjoyed the games I had. I think the main game I remember from the short period that I had it was State of Emergency. Pretty sure I had GTA 3 as well. Plus, I first played the Dynasty Warriors series via one of the PS2 magazine cover discs. I'd owned and very much enjoyed a PS1, but I never felt fully invested the same way as I was in my Saturn or Dreamcast. I looked at the games on the PS2 and what was going to be on the GameCube, Luigi's Mansion and Super Monkey Ball, and that's what I wanted. At the time, I could only really afford one console, so I packed up the PS2 and traded it in once Nintendo's Purple Cube landed in the UK. Do I regret that decision? In a way. It didn't take long until it was obvious that the GameCube was going to go the same way as the Saturn and Dreamcast. I'd previously mentioned, crushed beneath Sony's grey and black consoles. The GameCube was a great console that I enjoyed, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't cast an eye over to the growing PS2 library with an envious eye. That initial PS2 launch lineup wasn't the best, but by the time it got into its stride, this changed massively. Get to 2004 and I'm missing out on Gradius V, Katamari Damacy, GTA San Andreas, Metal Gear Solid 3 to name just a few. I mean, that same year I got Metroid Prime 2 and Paper Mario 2 for my GameCube, which was great, I don't regret owning my GameCube, but I do regret missing out on that library of PS2 games. Sure, I can go back to them now, but that isn't the same as playing them at the time. So yeah, just a brief mention before we go into that library. The online infrastructure. Mm. There was no infrastructure, but you could get a network adapter and a headset. And there were a handful of games. I think it's fair to call it a handful. Maybe there are more that I can't think of. In Japan... Fantasy, uh final fantasy 11 happened the final fantasy MMO and that was a big deal there over here the the only one i really remember people talking about was the possibility of playing tony hawks pro skater 3 online uh there was no so there's no account system there's no hub there's no it's it's the wild west as i recall you just you you put your adapter in you put your ethernet cable in and you Follow the game's online options, and you're in a lobby. There's no—I guess it's just all peer-to-peer. I don't know if there are servers. Yeah,
2: I mean, I can definitely speak to this because I actually bought one because I was so excited. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah,
2: I was. I had the Xbox One original by this time, and uh, I'd already played online games even before Xbox Live arrived our Tunnel Software on my PC. So I was really excited for this and see how the PlayStation was going to do it. So I bought this thing. You had to screw it on the back of your (laughs) <laughs> you took this panel off the back of your oh, PlayStation yeah. Two. and You had to screw it in. Oh, nice! And also, <laughs> I noticed on the back of it there was an IDE um, slot and a power thing for a hard disk, which they never released in Europe. So it's like that's annoying. But anyway, I put it in, and uh, I remember it came with the copy of uh, Twisted Metal
0: Black. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. And that that's was another line,
2: and And uh, that was an online sort of fun thing, and that was good. Really enjoyed playing that, and but I I spent most of my time online playing um, EverQuest on it uh, with it, um, not for long because I was playing it on the PC as well. I just wanted to see what it was like on the PlayStation Two, and it was a, like a, a an approximation of the of, of the original PC sure. game. And uh, but I also remember playing SOCOM on it. That was really really fun. Um, yeah, and that was a pre, prelude to the Ghost uh, Recon stuff that I enjoyed until i realized that all i was doing was shooting diamonds um but um yeah it's uh it was a it was a good start but it wasn't as centralized or as organized as what microsoft delivered no but it was free uh, <laughs> so it was free there is that it was free and it did mm. and it did work provided you had a reasonably good connection and it was no wi-fi of course it was worth it so you had to connect it directly to the router and stuff but uh no, I liked it. I mean, I remember looking out for games with the special. there's was a couple like Yin Yang, Swirly icon for the online oh mode. God, I'd forgotten for games. that. Well yeah, remembered. and also there was a there was a disc you got with it and stuff, and it was all like demos and kind of up the the fact that oh look, you're online now, and, and it was just it was a it was a, the, the first faltering steps towards what we have now, and we kind of take for granted. Many now, ironically, tried to avoid for reasons. Yeah,
3: I mean I've got I've still got mine. I've still got it hooked up and well, it's still <laughs> connected to the back of my PS2. Um I I think the thing that made me pick it up was my soundtrack to Metal Gear 3. I might have mentioned this when we did the show on it, but it was um it came you you ins- you put the soundtrack CD in and it unlocked um camo's for Snake that you could download. So that was the initial sort of in for me. And I thought, okay. And then I got into MGS online and Killzone was another one that I played.
0: Oh, the original Killzone.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten yeah. that
0: had a, an online component. Did you say yeah. you played MGS, Metal Gear? Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, so the MGS online was was a nightmare. It was it was the thing <laughs> that actually really it frustrated the hell out of me because you had to create a Konami account. You had to log oh God, in to that. Those, those users, such agreements. a palaver to yeah. get through all this. It was like I, I, I swear it took me like thirty minutes one day just to sort of get to grips with how it worked. And yeah, and once you got into the game, it was fine, you yeah. know. But it was, it there was a real hassle with all this stuff because it was all kind of because it, it, it was so kind of fragmented in terms of no sort of centralized structure to it all. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I remember. I, I don't remember having any trouble with Killzone getting online for that. So maybe you know it, a lot of it was down to Konami or or the the individuals. Konami's
0: EULAs and etc. are mm. the stuff of legend, going well beyond that generation. I remember booting yeah. up Pro Evo even on the PS3 and trying to get an online game, and you had to it, like it makes you sit through eight, eighty five pages of things that you have to kind of mm. accept and make three different accounts and yada 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 the, 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 for some reason yeah yeah uh, so it, do, it doesn't surprise me um, but yeah I, I mean it's interesting to me that in hindsight after the Dreamcast which obviously every, you know everybody, a lot of people have enormous fond memories of the Dreamcast. Uh, we did our show on that already and there was so much about it and it was so ahead of its time in so many ways but obviously they went with pushing the online thing at the start, certainly, in the marketing. Why do you think Sony had seemingly so little interest in even even after the Dreamcast kind of pursuing that?
2: I think, uh, personally, sorry, I think mm. it's definitely the history of the... Well, there might have been arrogance on that, going, well, the PS1 didn't need it.
0: W- Could be, what, yeah. Why,
2: why do we need it for the PS2? Yeah. And also they're not uh, the the thing about networking is you need the software and the drivers and the, mm-hmm. they're not a, they're not a software company we, even to this day mm-hmm. we know that they're not that kind of in in a way but my, this might be sort of facile way of looking at it, but I do think it might have been a little bit of arrogance in that well p s one didn't need it yeah. ps two doesn't i don't know if I'd say it was
3: arrogance, I just think it was the difference between sort of, you know an American company like Microsoft, which is entirely fully aware of everything around that kind of the internet and stuff it was it was on you know <laughs> or, or or sony which was a hardware company a kind of tech mm. company and it was the they were still kind of very much a japanese company in terms of their mindset was very much kind of still kind of set in their home market it was you know it had, it had, had a huge glo- it had a huge global audience but i feel there was still a sort of very much a sort of Japanese sort of mentality behind it all whether as I feel now it's more globalized it's more kind of aware of everything else I think it was just that point where it was changing
0: and that brings us to the games 3,874 software titles were released for the PS2 combined sales of those were a staggering 1.5 billion copies according to computerhistory.org as of uh, as of june 2007 which is uh, late in the machine's life but not quite at its death if you actually include all the different uh, games across multiple regions so skus there are actually 10,000 <laughs> over 10,000 software titles released Monstrous. for PS2. so if you if you're one of those collectors who has to have every region of every version of every game that's a big library Just out of interest, the final new games for the console released were the Final Fantasy add-on, Final Fantasy XI Seekers of Adolin in Asia and in North America. The final release was FIFA, surprisingly, FIFA 13. And in Europe, the last game was Pro Evolution Soccer 2014, which I think by that point had been simply a... Uh, a roster <laughs> an unlicensed roster update for about the previous eight years <laughs> at that point so yeah um, rather like how is it just dance keeps getting released on the original Wii year after year it's a bit like yeah it's a bit like yeah
3: that's still quite impressive like 2014 I, know. I mean that's like seven years into the PlayStation 3's life as well one year is- into mm. the PS4's
0: life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh so I don't have a breakdown of which consoles were uh, sorry which titles were launch titles in which region but some of the launch titles were if anyone has any memories I've barely played any of these because they were they weren't the games that weren't persuading me to <laughs> to buy a PS2 yeah. um any of those uh, on the list here I'm uh, um, one, one one for me was Fantavision which I really loved I'm glad it got a, it got a re-release on PS4 as an upscale um, it's, a, a quirky and very atmospheric, uh, firework based sort mm. of puzzle rhythm action game that I have a lot of fond memories of, uh, beyond that, uh, anyway. I think
3: there was a lot of games that are played as demos from discs like oh, armor core two and stuff like that. I remember, but, um, you know those yeah. games I played in the arcade. Like one in particular, I loved this in the arcade. But Silent scope, yes. yeah I would never ever consider picking up the console version. This was of this controller game. only
0: at this point. There were no light guns, I don't think. So
3: yeah, but even then, yeah. the the whole that to me is a, a, the whole pull of that game was because it was in the arcade with the little mini screen inside right. the the scope, which yep. just made it so immersive. But ah, uh, yeah, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, Time Splitters is a
0: yeah, I mean, time Splitters was was a big deal in the sense that people knew it was some of the team who had uh, worked yeah. on Goldeneye and Perfect Dark for Rare, but it was pretty much a multiplayer only game, the, the first yeah. time Splitters as, as I recall, but yeah, people who people who got it at launch I remember having fun with it in a in a split screen context, but um, Yeah. Chris, you were the only one who had one at launch. Did you what what games did you pick up with it?
2: Yeah. That's a very good question, and I'll attempt to answer them from my memory. Still own them. No, I didn't sell any of them. Sure. Um, so, f- um, yeah, Fantavision was definitely one of them, uh, and that was a bit of a favourite we liked. I liked that. Yeah. Um, I do remember getting Ridge Racer 5, mm-hmm. which on reflection was a bad idea because the PAL version was shocking. Oh, yeah,
0: it was uh, very slow and squashed, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: This, 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 this is just at the end of the phase where the whole PAL versus NTSC. Thankfully.
0: Thankfully, some games on PS2 did get the option, but uh, not at launch. There was nothing. SSX. Cause, oh yeah,
2: you know that big. I remember seeing that logo, thinking, "Wow, that looks amazing!" Because it did. Mm. Um, yeah. The whole EA. Is
0: before I think me. it was the it was okay. the highest rated of the launch games, pretty much. SSX in terms of review scores. Yeah. Uh, Edge gave it an eight, said it was a lot of fun.
2: Summoner. Now this is a game that many people talk about, nope. <laughs> but. Summoner is actually a rather deep and multi-layered character RPG, uh, computer RPG, TRPG, yep. that really shines on the PC sure. less so than on the PS2, but I did buy it mainly because that was the first game I actually ever played on the PlayStation 2. Right. That was the first one I played at E3 three or four months prior to picking it up sure. for Reelsies. Cool. So I felt compelled to. Because I spoke to the developer at the time, and it was so enthusiastic, he really sold me on it yeah. until I realised it's the you know actually it's much better on the PC, and it is. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, so that's why I got some. It's a very very good game. It really is. It does. It has some really in depth sort of character interactions that a like bait and switch stuff. It's really complex and really good and quite long. So yeah, I don't regret getting it. Value for money was right up there. And then finally, I do remember getting Time Splitters. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to see how the FPS thing was going to work with the PS2 when compared to the Xbox original. Because I know Halo was on its way. You can remember my headspace. I was probably, you know, I'm not being arrogant or just egotistical. It was just I was really into the the, the the media and the we knew about stuff months and months in advance. I knew everyone was talking about Halo and stuff like that, and it was all coming and it was all. And so I wanted to know how the FPS was working. I knew about GoldenEye because I was playing GoldenEye on the N64. So, yeah, that's the reason why I got Time and definitely didn't regret that. So, no real buyer's regret on any of them, really, yeah. apart from, no, no, Ridge Racer 5, that was the one I was most disappointed with, but I love Ridge Racer, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I think the games <laughs> that sort of, yeah, the, the games that didn't persuade me to buy it that should have done were... Ridge Racer 5, because, yes, I did love the, all the previous Ridge Racers uh, to varying degrees. But, yes, I heard that the, the PAL version of Ridge Racer 5 was compromised and that perhaps it wasn't just generally quite as exciting as an experience as uh, Type 4 and, and Rage Racer had been. Street Fighter EX3, the, I loved Street Fighter series. I loved the Street Fighter EX plus Alpha game on the PS1. But the reception to EX3 was so tepid. And similarly, uh, maybe slightly less tepid, but Tekken Tag Tournament, I was... Yeah, I love Tekken 1, 2 and 3 mm. on the PS1, but Tag Tournament, again, the press was a bit like, yeah, it's not really much of an upgrade, if at all. So, you know, sure, the graphics are higher res, but um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was, I think, almost unquestionably, despite the fact that they had a lot of games that would sell consoles, particularly in the US, like Ad- Madden 2001 and NHL. Um, the ESPN games as well, but there, there were yeah. very few. There, w- there was no Super Mario sixty four. <laughs> Let's put yeah. it that way.
3: Yeah. Um, am I wrong in thinking that the bouncer was early? It was yeah. early. Or,
0: yeah, I, I thought it might yeah. have been a launch game in Power Territories. Right, but again, uh, the uh, I think the, in, no, the, no, in, in the not?
3: build up to the PS two's launch, that was a game that seemed to be bouncing around. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no yeah. pun intended. But height, it, it the it height was s- there
0: because it was square in it. Yeah, yeah.
3: But I think it was also, it did look spectacular at the time. I remember thinking, wow, okay, next gen visuals and stuff. But um,
0: it was a bit of a wet fart, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think the moment it it came out and nobody (laughs) was like literally talking about it and people were just dismissed it almost straight away. And it just sort of, yeah.
0: We'll come to period. the games that kind of sold the machine to us, mm. uh, those who weren't early adopters. Or, oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, Joe Bobanobo again says, uh, my first experience with the second PlayStation console was really peculiar compared with the original. And with its, at the time, mind-blowing graphics, FMV cutscenes and polygonal T-Rexes. When it first came out in late 2000, we rented it with two games. The original Time Splitters and some racing games, Ridge Racer, Formula One, can't remember honestly i was a little underwhelmed sure the graphics were considerably nicer but i remember just thinking the games we rented were all right the ps2 did have a pretty mediocre launch lineup and older more cynical gamers than me at the time might well have thought that sony was a one-hit wonder with the original playstation if this was what they were offering in the next generation it can't be stated enough how when the games finally arrived they arrived The Grand Theft Auto series, Jack and Daxter, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Red Star, Ratchet & Clank, God of War, Sly Cooper, Katamari Damacy, Bully, Akami, Shadow of the Colossus, and so, so much more. The amount of stone-cold classics this console has produced beggars belief. No matter the genre, no matter the age group, the PS2 had it. You could play no other console but the PS2 for your entire life, and you would be more than satisfied. To go from that mediocre launch to one of the most successful consoles of all time is an incredible transformation. And while the PS1 established Sony as the cool new kid on the block, the PS2 ensured Sony were here to stay, without question, one of the most important consoles of the 2000s. I'm not going to argue with a single word of that. Nah. So here are some games that were exclusives, not necessarily now because of remasters and re-releases and so on. But at the time... These were significant. Now, for me, it was Gran Turismo Three A Spec that twisted my arm and got me to shell out the three hundred quid for the console. Uh, I also bought four, barely played it. It was very shiny, but um, but this is more me and my relationship with uh, kind of serious car enthusiast games it took me a lot of purchasing before i realized i don't really get on with them very well because i don't really care about cars (laughs) i'd much rather uh, just enjoy the scenery in forza horizon or whatever of course we got uh, both the first two god of war games on the ps2 and uh, even the first one was a relatively late arrival i think for ps2 was it like 2003 or four and the sequel was very very late but hmm. they were uh, they were games extraordinarily well received and uh, I'm sure sold very well. We soon, relatively soon, got remasters on PS3, of course. Any fond memories of God of War? I remember the music uh, of the original blaring out. I remember some frustration, of course, with the tower, the famous, infamous, <laughs> the infamous tower.
1: Uh, I I mean I I love these games, kind of warts and all, even now. Um, obviously, looking back. There's some problematic oh, yeah. uh, stuff in there, mm-hmm. but like you, have, you know, you have to remember I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen you when these games it. were coming out. So <laughs> yeah, I was like exactly the right age for this kind of content. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the one thing I remember specifically, God of War Two, and it really illustrates how much um, the way I play games has changed so so drastically since then is I remember playing through God of War 2 just to save, like, have an individual save at specific points so I could replay set pieces um, Ah. whenever I wanted to. So, like, I had, like, a specific save for the boss fight that I really liked because I just fancied... Playing God of War 2 for like two, like five minutes or 10 minutes. And I just fancied, like, now I think nowadays what I would do is just look up a clip on YouTube Uh, and just like, uh, and have that kind of nostalgia buzz. But back then I was, and I did this, you got Kingdom Hearts on there. I did this with Kingdom Hearts 2 as well. Okay. Like I would just save at like set pieces and obsessively play those set pieces over and over again. I don't know what's changed since then where I'm kind of like more one and done with games or wanting to kind of play the whole thing through. But back then I was obsessed with these like little tiny moments within games. And God of War 2 was like one of the big examples of that.
0: Yeah, Kingdom Hearts mentioned there. Obviously, since uh, has come across, we've had compilations, re-releases, remasters multiple times. But Kingdom Hearts at the time, Disney plus Square Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure that in terms of you know sales numbers of units, it would be up there with you know, Grand Theft Auto or anything. But in terms of a you know, a high profile, significant niche cult release, uh, definitely a, a one worth mentioning. Mm. Uh, we've got the original Devil May Cry that I already mentioned. Again, the PAL version was horribly compromised, but fortunately, by the time Devil May Cry three came out, and we have done a podcast on this uh, and the special edition. Capcom realised that NTSC 60Hz options were kind of essential for games like this, and for the kind of people who wanted to play them, the idea of playing them in compromised, slowed, bordered version was no longer acceptable.
3: I think when you look at this, sort of the most significant console exclusives, yeah, just how much the, the company's changed since, you know, yeah. the, the emphasis on sort of their own first-party support and stuff like that, because I suppose this is where it was starting to—they mm. were starting to embed that kind of um, mindset in terms yeah. of getting their own guys to, you know, getting companies within the the sort of Sony family to to make stuff for it. Because uh, it's like when you look at the list, you know, the Devil May Cry's got a Wars. I mean, there's literally. Was uh, it was Sony Santa Monica then, wasn't it? it was still mm-hmm. it was still first party. So there's only what
1: two of these
0: games, Sony games, yeah,
1: yeah. That are kind I of, may have forgotten uh, some,
0: but if you can think of them, let me yeah.
1: know. it's it's funny though because they, even though they are made by a lot of third uh, parties, there does feel like a consistency in terms of yep. like style and approach in the same way that nintendo Mm. does with all of their ip because like god of war and devil may cry are not a million miles apart in terms of like their target audience and all of that like even stuff like final fantasy even though that like it's longer and the the storytelling's more ambitious in terms of like aesthetics and all of that stuff what they're drawing on like mythology and fantasy like all of that stuff feels like of a piece in the
0: same way nintendo's franchises do yeah, so most of the big Sony names that we know now came along PS3 generation and some of them even PS4 generation think about Horizon. Yeah,
3: I mean I suppose uh, Guerrilla I can't remember whether Guerrilla was owned by Sony at this point for the Ooh, original Killzone. I think but it, it was, was a
0: Sony release, wasn't it? Killzone yeah, 1. Obviously yeah. it wasn't really the it wasn't the thing that everyone hoped it was going to be in terms of perception, no, but no. but it was a big deal. Well, it certainly had a big, yeah. big amount of hype. Mm. Uh, for the hardcore, again, uh, very much uh, one of the most highly regarded fighting games of all time, Virtual Fighter 4, and the subsequent Evolution version were PS2 exclusives, which was a big deal for, you know, people who cared about that. Mm. Uh, Akami, of course, been re-released on everything since, or lots of things since. We did a podcast on that game, but uh, Team Clover effectively um, yeah. coming to life here with uh, a game that's pretty, uh, and technically for the PS2 was really pushing it as well. Yeah. And giving it a, yeah. a Zelda, uh, sort of Zelda, you know, um, equivalent as well in terms of experience and gameplay. Of course, Final Fantasy was a massive deal for PS1 and that continued on the PS2 aside from the online game. We had Final Fantasy X, let's not forget X-2, because that has a big following as well, and Final Fantasy XII came late in the machine's life, but, yeah, you can yeah, now play there
3: it. There was a bunch of sort of Final Fantasy spin-offs like Dirge of Cerebrus and stuff yeah. like that as well, wasn't there? You wouldn't oh, want to
1: play it? that. Um,
2: I no, that it does exist, though. I can't <laughs> yeah. deny that, but it does
0: exist. They kept the brand uh, bubbling, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tekken 4 and 5? We know good game, uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, I think uh, five was uh, generally considered to be a much better game than four was. But uh, there was even, yeah, there was a, even was a final final version of that. I think on on the PS2. But for some reason, yeah, they they didn't. Or where Soul Caliber two, of course, famously came out across all three formats. Soul Caliber three was uh, was a PS2 exclusive, as was uh, as were the two Tekkens. Uh, they didn't come out. Yeah. I swear. Another massive phenomenon that happened kind of maybe more on the next generation the proliferation of plastic instruments. Guitar um, Hero started life on the PS two by harmonics. It was a follow up to, yeah. to Amplitude. And yeah, that's where I got it. I got the original um yeah. with a little plastic guitar, fell in love with the genre, fell in love with the idea, and uh and yeah, ended up rebuying two on the Xbox three sixty and then through with the the rock band games and the subsequent subsequent games, but
2: they weren't the first with the plastic guitar-
0: no pieces, i mean music
2: instruments, weren't they? That was konami, there was
0: konami it? yes but yeah. uh but that I don't think that that was um that was p s two exclusive it may have been actually Konami did release a lot of stuff um p s two only oh. um i mean the 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 ddR craze was still just about going at this point, and certainly a yeah. number of ddR yeah. games came out on p s two dance mats was still a thing
2: mm-hmm
0: mystic From the forum says the PS2 marked a broadening of my video gaming horizons and passed the torch of franchises. Thus, my first Christmas with the console was a double feature of Crash Bandicoot Wrath of Cortex, the newest installment in one of my most cherished PS1 franchises and Jack and Daxter, presumably uh, Precursor Legacy. One of those games left a bigger impression than the other, and it wasn't the one with crushingly long load times. Then history repeated itself next year when Ratchet and Clank faced off with the fourth and dire Spyro the Dragon game. My PS1 library was defined by a few dutifully collected franchises, but with most of these old favourites, your Raymans and Mega Mans, gradually petering or flaming out, my regular diet of 2D and 3D platformers drying up in general, I needed to find new pastures. So I took the incremental step into the nebulous genre of 3D person action adventure. Helped along by the edgier direction taken by my new naughty dog and insomniac stalwarts. Sad to say, I was the exact right age for the increased swearing violence goatees of Jack 2. And I eventually found myself with God of War, which came out just in time for my 18th birthday and briefly made me feel like a very big boy. I was now obsessively collecting Ratchet and Clank and God of War games instead of Spyro ones. But I also found a time to try out things like Zone of the Enders. Beyond Good and Evil, Shadow of the Colossus, and Akami. And while Squaresoft would thoroughly alienate me with Final Fantasy XII, it also gave me perhaps the ultimate fusion of my favoured 3D platformer and JRPG genres in the form of the lightning in a bottle first Kingdom Hearts. Ultimately, my PS2 library is a stepping stone, filled half with attempts to carry over or substitute the franchises I liked on the PS1, and half with attempts to branch out slightly and take chances with new things. While the former half gave me cherished games like Klonoa 2 and Final Fantasy X, it's the latter that resonates with, most with me now. It was a process of learning that maybe there were better ways to consume games than unquestioned franchise or developer commitment. A lesson which was admittedly hard learned considering how many Kingdom Hearts games I've ended up playing. Plus, I'm currently on my third replacement console, just on the off chance I want to play War of the Monsters again. So it must have done something right. Hmm. Which brings us on. To yeah, the Ratchet and Clank, Jack Sly Cooper trilogies, three different developers, but all uh, very popular. I was never big into any of these. I did play half of the original Jack, uh, the Precursor Legacy, and it it you know it was one of the game, one of the few games that I felt actually could hold a candle to Banjo Kazooie in terms of a Western developed three D platformer that wasn't toilet. Uh, anyone spend any time with any of these? Jo- Josh, I think you're a bit of a Ratchet and Clank kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a bit of a fair weather Ratchet and Clank fan. Um, it's it's <laughs> only like specific specific entries that I I really love. I think the third entry in in the the PS2 series um was really really good. Um, it the villain in that was uh, Doctor Nefarious, who would then show up again in uh, a Crack in Time. Mm-hmm. um the ps3 game but yeah i think yeah it i think all of these because uh, i've played um at least a couple of entries in all, all three of these trilogies i think they're very up and down like there are like an individual game in there that you go yes absolutely that's a great game but it, it's kind of all over the place i think in terms of quality
0: Mm. And it's interesting that I- Crash and Spyro both went. This was where they went from being kind of Sony only stalwarts, and they started going different developers and cross platform, and they didn't have the same cachet anymore.
3: Looking at that, I mean, you've got what um, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, yeah. and Sucker Punch. Yes, yes. Which is interesting because I think only Naughty Dog they were they were bought by Sony in two thousand and one. Mm. Um, Sucker Punch in 2011, and I think Insomniac was what was it this year or, or was it last year when they were acquired as a Sony it was first very, party? very recently, yeah, very yeah. So because their it, previous it, game was Xbox
0: One only, wasn't it? Of course, yeah.
3: Yeah, but it is interesting to see how those relationships have, have fermented over you know almost twenty years. Yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, Sucker Punch, uh, I think they, I think their debut game was the N64. For 3D platformer rocket robot on wheels, then they then they made these Sly games, and yeah. So without mm. these, without the stealth and and such in these, no Ghost of Tsushima probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Infamous in between, but anyway.
2: Uh, but it's but it's gradual incline, isn't it? Really, but <laughs> yeah. For me, I, I do like & Clank games. Uh, I actually streamed the first one about a month ago now. That was really fun. And Still fun, Jack. And, yeah, cool. and the Sly Cooper. They re released that, the PS3. Yes. as a re as enhanced version. Indeed. Highly recommend
0: that. Mm. You can get it was PS Plus like at PS3. some point, so I've still got it in my library. Yeah. If, if anyone like me just maintains their PS Plus in perpetuity, you should find yeah. two Sly, Sly Cooper games in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Very good games. Very good games. Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, two of the earliest games we covered on the Cane and Rinse podcast. Uh, Obviously, we got remasters on PS3 and then a kind of remake or super remaster of Shadow of the Colossus on PS4. Sadly, the same treatment wasn't given to Eco. But yeah, Shadow of the Colossus, although I think it was released in limited numbers initially and it was a late game. And I think there's a lot of even its biggest fans would admit that the game was perhaps pushing the hardware too too far Mm. on the PS2. Uh, It was so popular that it got a reprint Mm. In in Europe, in about two thousand and six or seven, uh, because the demand for it was still so much, I remember it coming back into the shops in a cardboard sleeve, and uh, it was yeah, it was a big deal.
1: Yeah,
2: I think I bought that game three times now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, yeah. You know, uh, but things. yes,
0: Eco, obviously, yes, you can play it on PS three and and uh, and in in higher res. But um, I have very fond memories of picking up Eco for the first time again. It came in a cardboard sleeve, and it had that. Thankfully, we had the, uh, the 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 cover art they went with in Europe, which is the very kind of tasteful and arty uh, stuff, rather than the um, the American cover. <laughs> mm. And uh, that was a really atmospheric game. Although I did get stuck for ages on that one jump.
3: It, it, I think with those games in particular, maybe we touched upon this in the podcast. Though it's been so long since I can't remember what we said on it. Um, but there was the, I think at the time there was a very muted response to those games. And I think it's something where they've clearly grown in admiration and and accolades in the years sort of yeah. post. And I feel like,
0: yeah, I think uh, as an edge reader, it was I I knew how mm. important these games were. But I think maybe yeah, they probably went slightly more under the radar with the mainstream. Certainly, Eco yeah. was yeah,
1: yeah For I, sure, yeah, it, yeah. But even if even if you weren't aware of Eco at the time, it's certainly a game that has informed. You know, oh. like, like Miyazaki, quote, the, is often quoted as saying, is Eco is a huge inspiration mm. for the, the Demon Souls, Dark Souls right. game. So, mm. like, it, the, the, like even if they weren't that successful at the time, their impact has been massive.
0: No doubt. We recently covered, uh, we did a whole podcast very recently, so we don't need to talk too much about it, but The Mark of Crete, it was uh, Chris's pick for the year. You can hear yeah. all about that, but that was a, uh, yeah, a, a noteworthy uh, exclusive. Released by Sony again.
2: Mm-hmm. Important game. And yes, oh, great game.
0: Hear why we think it's important on that podcast. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, also extensive chat about uh, Persona 3 and 4, those the then Shin Megami Tensei games on the podcast. I don't remember what the reception was in the West at the time. Again, I would say the uh, there was definitely a cult following and people loved them, but I don't think there was the same level of, uh knowledge of this series back then i do remember four getting a 9 out of 10 in edge that's about it though
1: yeah i mean it wasn't like you know you you see persona 4 and persona 3 and like whenever whenever sites do like top 100 games of the ps2 like yes. these days they'd be like quite close to the top of the list but at the time i think like they'd be lucky if they were in there so it's definitely a series mm. these two games in particular definitely have gained more popularity since
3: Mm.
1: this particular console was the kind of start of a
3: lot of um franchises that are still incredibly popular now but things like the yakuza series as well where it's like you know it started life on this platform
0: it's a very important one that i completely forgot to put on the list yeah good shout yakuza or Mm. like a dragon Uh, Katamari Damacy started here again another real cult a beloved cult and again you can play these games on multiple formats now but Katamari Damacy began life on the uh, PS2 indeed I don't think you could even buy the original outside of Japan maybe it got a US release but I don't think it got a PAL release we got a PAL release of we love Katamari uh, which was the follow-up ea actually weirdly distributed that in europe um <laughs> if you if you ever want to pick me up just go and seek out the intro to the original katamari damasi
1: that's so good <laughs>
0: uh maximo uh, another kind of cult really but uh the sort of 3d spiritual successors to our beloved ghouls and ghosts ghosts and goblins series there are two games: Ghost to Glory and Maximo versus Army of Zin. The second one has a 60Hz option. The first one doesn't, but you can play those on uh, exactly as they were on PS2, but on the PS3. If you're curious, those are games I'd like us to cover someday. Anyone play those?
2: Yeah, I streamed uh, Maximo, the first one ah. about two months ago, so that was fun. Sorry, Chris, I can't so, always keep um,
0: not- up with the myriad cool. eclectic I'd- titles. I
2: don't remember. I don't them. know, just random stuff uh but no i enjoyed i enjoyed what i played of it, it what didn't match up to it's, it is a kind of platformer but not in the same not as refined no. as uh, like uh, ratchet and clank and things like this
1: so yeah it's 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 good not great can um, I, can i ask chris as somebody yeah. who really loves from software stuff is there yes. is there dna in there that i would appreciate for Maximo, no. Okay,
2: no. You don't feel it. I and mean, I mean, I'm not sure if Brom made Kingsfield. They did, did they? yeah, yeah. I think they did. Kingsfield yeah. are the. Yeah. So if, if you want to want, want that,
1: then go there. Unfortunately, no, I just, that's hard I just from the outside looking in, yeah. like it's fantasy. It's, hard, it's quite no, difficult. They've,
2: they've, They've lent into the Ratchet and Clank realm. It's very much right, nice, that okay. kind of, or medieval kind of stuff. Mm. Right. They've, they, they haven't really taken from the original. Go- th- copies. Mm. Yeah, it's
0: some it's and just, some. It's, uh, and I'm yeah. not
3: being funny, and I'll probably cut this from the podcast. Josh, if you want from DNA, play Neo and stop fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: not yeah, yeah, don't try, on the ps Don't try and
2: find a copy of Kingsfield because that's not impossible. But Really hard to play, yeah. Unspray, yeah. yeah.
0: So looking at some of the uh, critical reception to games that were released at the time, the highest rated game on the PS2 is the aforementioned Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Now, we did a podcast on the Tony Hawk's series. And of course, we've recently had the excellent remasters of one and two. But I think I think You know, there's probably reasons why three didn't make that. But hopefully I think um, I know I think Carl favours three out of the original trilogy. Uh, I don't think anyone really favours four so much, but uh, it would be lovely if the the team behind the recent one plus two remaster set would bring us three, either as a separate download or some premium DLC or something like that. The Mighty Grand Theft Auto 3
3: now this this mm. game yeah
0: it i mean you look at it now it's kind of hard to imagine yeah. just how special this was at the time obviously mm. pc gamers will say ah but i was playing grand theft auto in 1997 in top down 2d it was also on ps1 we talked about it a bit on that show but mm-hmm. to bring that this you know this open world shenanigans this interpretation of new york city as liberty city Uh, this game I found completely intoxicating. It kind of came out of nowhere. There was the famous incident where Edge's review was given as a 6 out of 10 and then they hastily, with a small editorial correction, apology next month that everyone was very suspicious about, uh, upped the score to an 8 out of 10 saying it was a misprint, but I still suspect they gave it a 6 and then realised, actually this is the kind of game that we should probably give a higher score to um and it went on to obviously form kind of build genres it wasn't necessarily the first ever game of its type we've already had hunter and we've had things on the n64 but it was oh, i was just massive and it was amazing yeah i
3: think there are two there are two titles for me that are synonymous with the, my time with the ps2 this is one Metal Gear two sons of Liberty's than the other one, but it was um this this game it's it's weird that you say it came out of nowhere because I remember seeing the screenshots in particular the one of the protagonists running away from the helicopter with the spotlight yeah, and it did nothing like for some reason i just wasn't bothered about it. I'd played the first two gta i had the i say i had the gtas on the p s one say that I played them i grew bo- for some reason I kept buying them apart from the um the london nineteen sixty nine I don't know oh, yeah. expansion whatever but the I had no interest in this, and then funnily enough, a slight anecdote here, but it was my flatmate's mate came round they 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 came around on a friday i don't I didn't work Friday night, so I was at home. they were heading out he'd bought this during the day he'd picked it up, they'd come from the city, and he said like I'm not going to get a chance to play tonight. Do you want to check this out? And I was like, sure, yeah, why not? I had no plans for that evening, so I thought, cool. I literally didn't sleep that night. (laughs) I I started playing this game and just, yeah, I think it was like when the the light, early dawn sunlight was coming through the window that my eyes were burning that I realized, wow, okay. And I remember I literally ran out the next day and picked this up and just completely, like, probably the beginning of my affection for open world games for starters i can't think of any open world games that i'd really got sucked into Mm. prior to this but Mm. this game's huge Mm. like um at the time there was a comic that i I was a huge fan of um uh, something called couscous express written by brian wood now brian woods mentioned that he's in the credits for this and i think he did the character designs you know when you get those kind of stills when you were doing it even had loading screens between areas but in those loading screens you would see like cartoon images of the gangsters and stuff i think he was responsible for them so it's like Mm. there was all this sort of stuff that tied in at the time and yeah my memories of this are are strong
0: yeah i just remember the the day night cycle and again i know we'd already had Mm. ocarina of time and things like that but there was something about being in this this gritty urban environment the fact that you could just cause chaos and shenanigans i know All the cliched stuff is cliched for a reason, you know, using prostitutes and then murdering them, all that, all that fun, (laughs) wholesome stuff. Uh, And yeah, how much of that time I, I never completed this game. I never completed this game. I just Mm. made chaos and carnage and shenanigans. It was all about police chases and just sucking in the atmosphere of the world. And yeah, if you just put it even side by side with the now seven year old GTA five, it looks laughable, but you have to kind of put it into context as to as to what we'd seen up to yeah. this point.
2: I do remember at the time, because the previous two games have been phenomenal, really, really quite successful. And when they said, oh, we're going to go 3D with GTA 3 because of the arrival of the PlayStation 2, and they said, well, we have to do 3D now. We can't ignore it, even though the PlayStation 1 was pushing that. And everyone was flopping off, going, oh, no, we, we reduced the purity of the experience. That, that was didn't really pushback until people actually played it. Yeah. And, oh, wait. No, so shut up. We're, we're talking nonsense. And, uh, yeah, I, I just remained neutral in the argument. I just waited for it because I was thinking you know, it's the natural progression. And, granted, it wasn't the first of its type. We've already said that. And we put hands up. Yes. But it did it so well. And it continues to do so, I mean, as you see with GTA V, which still sells the bucket loads. I don't know who,
0: too? Yeah, a great it's mystery. great
2: yeah. mystery. No one knows who's buying that game, but it still sells.
0: They gave it away um, on the Epic Game Store, and still people continued to buy it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the emailer from the forum says, 3D's potential finally realised. The PS2, for me, is when the promise of 3D games truly came to fruition. Previous consoles had 3D, but in awkward or compromised fashion. This console really enabled a smorgasbord of genres to go full 3D. As a teenager during this time, I lapped up these new experiences. And for me, PS2 has the widest range of classics in multiple genres. Of course, the one game that really heralded this era is GTA 3. Its impact is so hard to quantify. I must also mention Pez here. This was really the apex of the series. Every year, a high quality product throughout the generation. Wholeheartedly agree. Next up in the review echelons, the 96 Metacritic scorer is Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. We covered the entire mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid series, but again, I think if there was one thing that, another thing, I should say, that kind of was twisting my arm about getting a PS2, it was that. Uh, that video sequence they'd shown of Snake and the bridge and the tanker. Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I bought more magazines because of the demo. They they must have released I think three different demos for this game mm. over a period of time, and they were getting longer and longer each time. So it was like every time I I'd, I'd, I'd have to get the magazine with that disc on because the 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 build up to this game was was huge, and I think it was a real technique as it always has been with Konami uh, with Kojima and, and his, they've always been technical um, marvels with the really pushing the hardware. There aren't, I think the only game that kind of slightly backtracked on that was 3. I think 3 started to show the weaknesses of the hardware by the time it came out on the PS2, mm. when it was up against the, you know, when we were seeing what was being done on the Xbox and stuff at the time, I feel that's that's the only one that felt kind of, hmm.
0: That said, of course, the the Xbox ports of these weren't great. Oh, they were uh, Compromised. Yeah. For reasons uh, explored in some excellent Digital Foundry videos, despite the extra power of the Xbox, these games were built with the very precise sort of architecture of the PS2 in mind. Josh, you're a Big Metal Gear Solid person. Were you... Were you there at the time for Metal Gear Solid 2 or not? No, you wouldn't have been
1: would No, because Metal Gear Solid's one of those series where I kinda went backwards from my favourite entry. Um my first one was Metal Gear Solid three, and then I mm. and then I played two and then I played one, which is a really awkward way of playing that series. Um but yeah, I I two at the like I played it like real tail end of the PS two. So like mm to like uh two thousand five, two thousand six, roughly, yeah. I think. Um, it's still I think like I, I hear everything Jay is saying. I still think that game is visually impressive, especially mm. considering how early on it is. I think like my memory, like the tanker mission with the rain and the waves on the on the ship, all of that stuff. Mm. Um and I think it's testament to like just how ahead of the curve they were when you play the HD versions of it on PS3, like they're not like like they're they've done a good because they're Blue Point right, so it's a, they've done a really decent job on them. But mm. it's not like they've rad, like it's not ground up like changing the textures, all of that stuff Ooh. like the Shadow of the Colossus no. remake. The fact that they still look that good with that just a few tweaks, I think, yeah, like yeah. I like you were talking about Grand Theft Auto 3 earlier. I think that's a game that really has shown its age as time has gone on. Yeah. yeah These no this game, on the other hand, I think I think has really stood the test of time visually. Yeah. I think two
3: probably more than three, because I think yeah. for me two because it, it, it felt because everything's corridors and and inorganic material, like you know, you're in that those stations on the tanker and on the um, the rick. right? Whereas then the trees it, and stuff have yeah, whereas where sort of, yeah, yeah, when you're in the jungle, it started to feel a little mm. um, at odds with the. But I remember with the with the game itself. You know when you you find that little figure in in one section and you you shoot it and it starts firing Vulcan little, Raven, um, yeah, yeah, and
0: the little baby, Seeing yeah. the
3: physics on that, I remember thinking, oh wow, you know, look how they they look like real balls the way they're moving yep. around and
0: stuff. I used to just watch for ages to see them stacking up and how many yeah. <laughs> the game could remember before it, and
3: it's ridiculous yeah. uh, it's, it's crazy yeah
0: yeah nuts I'm sure we talked about that on the podcast yeah, uh, sure listener did, yeah. you can check those out in our archive they still get downloads our Metal Gear Solid podcasts all these years later uh, they'll be on Spotify and I think are they are they probably dropped off Apple by now I don't know but anyway you can mm-hmm. seek them out on the website or Spotify or whatever uh, 95% Metacritic scores went to both GTA 3 follow-ups Uh, vice city and san andreas so san andreas is the best-selling ps2 game of all those three thousand eight hundred odd games with 17.3 million units sold Uh, but vice city i would say is the one that although san andreas had all that incredible ambition with the the way you could eat more and make your character overweight and you know do exercise to lose weight and all that crazy stuff i would say that vice city is perhaps the one that people have the most nostalgia for if i was going to make a call on that based on it being such an upgrade from GTA 3 in terms of its lighting and soundtrack having the uh having the the soundtrack that people recognize rather than just the the com- the mixture of uh made up mm-hmm. music and the uh scarface soundtrack um this had like a best of the 80s kind of mega mix soundtrack yeah. you had a voiced character and uh, a load of celebrity um cameos as well i think vice city kind of was the yeah the next level for gta
3: um san andreas is the only one i haven't finished Mm. i I finished both it's huge isn't it but yeah i just got lost in it and i couldn't i I lost my way with it quite and i think it was i
0: think the protagonists were harder to like maybe i don't know i mean Mm. obviously tommy's a slime ball as well but um for those who weren't sort of immersed or invested in, in hip hop culture and so on. It was, I I found it a slightly, it was as a, as a very white, very English person. It was, it it was a bit harder for me to kind of get with that.
3: Um, It is interesting to think of it like as the best selling PS2 game with 17.3 million compared to, and and it's interesting to compare that to now where GTA five has sold over 130 (laughs) million units. Yeah, that's And nuts. so you can get a sense of how big gaming has grown. And yet this is the,
0: the bigger selling console. Uh, but then I suppose yeah. if you combine yeah. all the different units together.
3: But that's, yeah, they saw multiple platforms. I mean, it's on every platform. San Andreas did come
0: to Xbox as well, um, mm. of course. Uh, there was also Madden NFL 2003, uh, EA Sports Games and the... Uh, 2k sports games both had a really strong period at this time both in terms of critical reception and reviews obviously we're not going to go into the minutiae of each one but suffice to say sports fans at this period were very well catered for and very happy and it was a much rosier kind of part of the market than it is um, today angry kurt from the forum says the ps2 was the console with which i became a gamer I owned a PS1 and a Game Boy beforehand, and played Rollercoaster Tycoon on my PC. But in those years, I was basically a young child that was only playing games based on what the coolest box art was, which led me to playing some awful stuff in hindsight. I went to a friend's house and played on his PS2 on Vice City and was totally floored by it. From then, I really wanted a PS2, but had to wait around a year until the next Christmas to get my hands on one, which was an agonising wait. Thankfully, I could play Roller Coaster Tycoon to pass the time. To this day, it is my favourite Christmas day. I was like N64 kid opening that thing. Three games came bundled with it and my sister asked for The Sims with it, which I actually ended up playing a lot too. Those three games were 007 Nightfire, London Racer 2 and The Hulk. (laughs) The Hulk was awful. I really wanted to like Nightfire but found it too hard as I was still quite young and struggled with the first person perspective which I'd never come across before. And London Racer 2 was actually pretty fun and weirdly the only game I've ever seen my mum play even if it was just one race. Over the following years I started buying Gaming Max to see what I should play and became really entrenched in gaming and so I would say the PS2 is the reason behind why I am working in the gaming industry today. My highlights from the PS2 would be San Andreas, often forgotten that it was a PS2 exclusive for a while, Spider-Man 2, Guitar Hero, Gran Turismo 4 and James Bond Everything or Nothing. Controversially, I was also a huge Driver 3 fan at the time, but I think a lot of that love was clouded by my ridiculous hype for it, so I kind of refused to acknowledge that it was actually bad. It was the first game I ever pre-ordered, so I wanted to believe it was great. Uh the disappointment of Driver Three. I never played it because I heard it was poop, but it was a shame because Driver th- Driver One was such a kind of uh a- surprise hit, and I had so much fun with it that yeah, it was kind of a shame that they didn't go on to nail a PS2 era graphic version of that. Anyone stung by Driver Three?
3: Yeah, well, no, I wouldn't say I was stung by it because I got it on the Xbox, and I feel with a lot of the games that I- I'm seeing in the list ahead. I got on played on the Xbox, right. which were noticeably different or better versions. In many now cases. Now with Driver, yeah. you had a, it was almost, it was like a filmmaker. It was, um, you know, the rockstar editor that you've got in within GTA, where you can make your own little movies yeah. by recording mm. footage and cutting it how you want. You have this and setting up cameras and so on and so forth. You have this with Driver 3. But only on the Xbox version, I believe, because unless um, unless you may have had that, the hard drive, because you needed all that kind of storage on
0: it, right, right. Yeah.
3: But um, I remember putting a, a fair amount of time messing around with this. Probably the early kind of precursor to the photo most obsession I've currently <laughs> got. But yeah, that figures. It was, yeah, but it was um, it was interesting. I don't have any negative. I remember I wasn't massively sold on the game, but you know the extras that came with it were were the thing that pulled me in.
0: So yeah, formally mentioned, although uh, I don't think it quite has the same legacy of love. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 also averaged 94% with critics. And again, I don't think anyone would complain if um, if the folks, is it Binox behind the recent remaster, uh, brought that to us on current gen. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 of course got its own kind of not remaster but EXDX version with subsistence which we talked about on that podcast but it came with a came with a whole host of improvements and extra bits subsistence didn't it it was a real upgrade yeah. on the original release most importantly that camera camera like, yeah yeah it's just so <laughs> much better uh, again football fans US football gridiron were well catered for with Madden's uh, 2002 and four, and NCAA football 2004, which is essentially the same game, but with college football instead of professional football, which is kind of nuts. And then just kind of going down some of the other genres, just looking at some of the games that either I remembered fondly or had great reviews or did very well on PS2 as well as being available elsewhere. Stop me if you have anything particularly special or pertinent to say about any of these. Uh, I was remembering Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. That is one that uh, had a kind of... That was one where it was it was the early days of comparing versions and screenshots, digital foundry yeah. style. Like, do I get the Sands of Time on the Xbox? Or do I get it on the GameCube? Or do I get it on the PS2? And there were pros and cons to each version, but the Xbox won out just you know, just had that little bit of extra oomph to it. Yeah. It had bloom. And it had some had
2: bloom. It had a rival of bloom. Hooray. This was Prince of Yeah, so
3: that's what the... I remember this, with, particularly with Splinter Cell. It was like, you know, because you had real-time lighting, I think, on the Xbox yes. version, but not on the PlayStation. Yeah. So there was some in some cases, substantial differences between the games. but
0: Yeah, Xbox original was definitely lead platform for the Tom Clancy Splinter Cell games, Pandora Tomorrow, Chaos Theory, that, that trilogy. Mm. Uh, but you could still get them and play them and enjoy them on PS2. Similarly, uh, Beyond Good and Evil, which came to all three, for instance, like the GameCube version, actually had parts of the soundtrack missing because it was on a smaller disc. Uh, and again, you'd probably get a better frame rate out of the Xbox version. Hitman, same story I would say. Hitman two contracts and Blood Money. And Blood Money later ended up kind of getting its own sort of remaster on Next Gen as well, didn't it? Uh, 360 mm. version. So yeah. uh Bully, similar story again was a very late uh PS two release. Uh, we did a podcast on that game, came out as Carnis Carnim Edit, Dog Dog Eat Dog in Europe, of course. Um and yeah, they fairly swiftly released like uh, Xbox three sixty versions, didn't they? So yeah. But there it was, it debuted on PS2. Onimusha, we've already mentioned, there was a whole trilogy of Onimusha games. Now, they recently mm. re-released Onimusha 1 on mm. current gen. Uh, it's a fairly sort of perfunctory HD upscale, and it, yeah, it's fine. Um, but they've left the other two alone. What a shame.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I picked these up recently. Well, I, picked, I had the first one. But I picked up because and I played two. I must have borrowed that or or something off somebody because I didn't own it. So I went and bought these only like the last sort of three years ago, I yeah. guess, or two or three years ago. Um, I've I've yet to go through and pl- replay them. But this was a franchise. I'm surprised there's never. Mm. You know, aside from uh, the sort of remaster, has never really kind of
0: come back. It's ripe for a a, a kind of reboot with with current gen tech, isn't it?
3: It's the same with um, Dino Crisis as well. You know, there's a lot. There's quite a loud minority of people (laughs) out there, I guess, that are are kind of advocating like
0: going back to these franchises and. uh, Actually, Onimusha was more than a trilogy because there was a fourth game as well, but it was sort of a guide end thing. But the, mm, the yeah. three games, the second one was the second one, the one with the two famous... Jean Reno and a famous Japanese no, that's actor. That's the third one. That's the third one. No, is that's it? the third okay. one. Yeah. So yeah, um, I guess the the downloadable remaster of one didn't do well enough to warrant them bringing the sequels out. Maybe there are licensing issues with the likenesses of the actors on the third one. Oh, who knows? Mm. Uh, two games that were released very close to one another. Uh, and uh, again, all formats, but uh, yeah. PS2 relevant with similar themes and settings. PsyOps, the Mindgate Conspiracy from Midway and Second Sight from Codemasters.
1: Uh, this, uh, is, this is a yeah. very much an Armageddon
0: deep impact situation. Isn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah. 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 And the volcano ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dante's Peak and...
2: Yeah, I didn't play either of these. But I don't, I did know they gave away Psyops at one point for PC, they just gave it away. Mm. Uh, and I think I had Psyops on the on the Xbox. Yeah, I've got it on the Xbox. I enjoyed playing it as well. It's a good game, Control
0: Spiritual Successor, um, I guess.
3: Probably there's a lot of DNA in there. I don't, know. it's been years
0: like, god, it must be what 15, yes, at least 15 years since I went back on the. Mm. Uh, And, of course, again, it was a game that if you had an Xbox, you'd probably go for the Xbox version. But Quantic Dreams Fahrenheit, a.k.a. Indigo Prophecy, uh, was this gen. We did a podcast on that one. Jay's not going to say anything about David Cage. No. (laughs) (laughs) Already mentioned Silent Hill. And just literally a day or two before recording, we've had Silent Hill 4 The Room re-released on good old games for PC. Imagine that. Obviously uh, there were HD remasters of Silent Hills 2 and 3 but that's a very storied story. Uh so uh, many would argue that if you can't find the old PS uh sorry PC version of Silent Hills uh, Silent Hill 2 the best way to play it is still the director's cut on PS2. Uh now at the time I recall Silent Hill 2 probably didn't do quite as well critically as the PS1 original but I think over time Silent Hill 2 has very much become considered the peak of the the series and the franchise, in fact. We covered the whole Silent Hill series, including the other ones (laughs) that no one talks about (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Talking survival horror, we had a a sort of upgraded, arguably, version of uh, the Dreamcast game Code Veronica in the form of Code Veronica X. I think that came very early, may have even been launched over here or close to it. Uh, But again, PAL issues, if you live in PAL territories. And there was the conversion of Resident Evil 4 from the GameCube, which, uh, again, we covered in that series of podcasts. uh, Probably not the best or, in fact, possibly the worst way to play Resident Evil 4 is on the PS2 in terms of it being a version. But still, it's still Resident Evil 4, right? So,
1: yeah. It. I mean, it's the first version of it that I played in in my long journey to play every version of Resident Evil Four that exists. Right. Um, and it didn't put me off. No. So, God no. Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Uh, other shooters. So we mentioned the launch of Time Splitters. Time Splitters Two came along, and again, that was a multi-format title, as was the third game in the series, Future Perfect. There were reasons I went to the Xbox for Time Splitters Two, which was the fact that the level creator. Uh, obviously benefited from the hard drive, but I don't think there was anything much wrong with playing Time Splitters Two on the PS2.
2: Just like I think it was a really good build from this, the first one. It really was a really good sequel. Not all not all sequels are of build off of the first one, but I definitely felt. Dungeons Two was, was a good, solid sequel.
0: My main issue was the fact that I felt the levels got consecutively worse. Like it started with <laughs> what was effectively a remake of the Goldeneye dam, and I was like in heaven because it was like playing Goldeneye again, but with a playable frame rate and, <laughs> and whatever. And then each level was a little bit poopier than the the, the previous one until we were in sort of sub lat, late perfect dark territory by the end. But anyway, maybe we'll cover that game someday. We've had a number of requests. Black is another one uh, that is often fond remembered. I think you did play this one recently, Chris.
2: I did stream it on the Xbox original. Technical
0: uh, technical tour de force for the time. Mm, um, but definitely. I remember playing it on again on the Xbox and yeah. it had a real problem with bullet sponge enemies, if I recall.
2: It is. It turns into an absolute slog <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, it just it becomes and I hate using this word attributed to games, but unfortunately I'm going to say it, boring. Right. You know, it just generally becomes dull. And yeah. Uh, it looked good, though. Yeah, it has not aged well. There's a lot of much, uh, much, much better shooters these days. Criterion touch.
0: stepping outside well. their comfort zone, and I think with a few minor yeah. tweaks to those numbers, I think it could yeah. have been a lot more fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, if it stopped it with the, you know, using, using the entire magazine to take someone yeah. out. Headshot, been, headshot, you know, headshot,
0: Die! Please die, please die. Yeah, please die. yeah. Uh, Medal of Honor Frontline, which did let you kill people with headshots, was a, a slightly compromised sort of consoleized interpretation of the already existing Medal of Honor games on the PC. We covered the but first follow-on
2: right? from the PS1 game.
0: Yes, yeah. and indeed, which which is where the Medal of Honor series started. Mm-hmm. The Red Faction games, I remember a, a friend of a friend absolutely singing the praises of the original Red Faction from the high heavens. I never played Red Factions 1 and 2. I believe these have been re-released and, and or remastered as well, but I don't have a lot of... Uh, I think by this point I was playing Halo and thinking, Red Faction. Everyone else too, I guess, by the sounds of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only played it on the PC. I never
0: okay, on. which would have been... So yeah.
2: That's why I'm dumb. But Fair, fair. enough. Good. I love the idea of the deforming environment. Yes, and then yes. of course the third one yes. I believe brought about the now infamous song of Space
0: What's Space it? Asshole. So, yes. From uh, yeah. from the Idol Thumbs folks. Yes. That Thumbs, did get yeah, a remaster, so. didn't it? That that one. Yeah. Remastered. Uh, Killzone we mentioned and we we also talked about it a bit in our Killzone two podcast, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean I did actually dive onto this one. I mean uh I really liked the campaign. Despite the problems with it, I thought it was a good, good shout, a good step in the right direction. But it wasn't. It's far from what it it purported to be. Yeah, but you know,
0: didn't live up to the hype. Sadly, Uh, platformers. Yes, uh, the genre was transforming and certainly there are a lack of uh, i'm sure there are some examples a lack of 2d platformers on 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 the system um a lack of 2d games in general i mean there there was some retro type stuff and some conversions of older things but generally 3d was the name of the game here so in clonoa 2 Lunatia's veil vale, which sadly i've never played i've played the original um was a sort of 2.5d thing which is uh, which was very well regarded but i think a bigger deal in the u.s than in europe And Rayman 2 Revolution, one of Tony, our Tony's absolute favourites. There are multiple, multiple versions of this. Uh, It was a Dreamcast game. Uh, It's been on DS as well. Uh, There are are lots of of ways to play, but I don't think there's anything wrong with playing the PS2 version if you fancy a proper old-school style 3D platformer. Josh, were you into this kind of thing? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just hoping. (laughs) So, yeah, I've already mentioned uh, that sports fans were well catered for in this time. Yeah, uh, I've already mentioned it. But World Soccer winning 11 series or Pro Evolution Soccer 1-6, absolutely like some of the most important video games to me of all time. I'd already played previous gen football games, you know, through um, Kickoff and Sensible Soccer and uh, the ISS games on the uh, uh, both on the SNES and then the N64. But the Pro Evo games were still for me i mean i had some great times with fifa in the sort of 0, 09 10 11 era and even more recently uh, although i think the series is treading water at best now but that time provo soccer i had a load of mates at work i used to drink and smoke it was awesome we just used to spe- we used to play it for many hours every week we had organised leagues we had uh, we had proper rivalries and and genuine memorable moments that I can, yeah, I can still recall individual sort of moments of matches and goals and tournaments that happened around that time. It was special. And those games were just so beautifully observed and put together, uh, that obviously I would probably choose to play a recent, uh, eFootball Pez game now over those PS2 games, but in terms of how important and how good they were for the time, nothing's really come close. the, The excitement I felt when I first saw a a TV in a shop running Pro Evo on the on the PS2 ahead of release, when I was still playing the PS1 game, and the upgrade in graphics, the upgrade in resolution—oh my god, it was uh, just just stunning and stellar, and yeah, very very fondly remembered times. And I hope I hope we will do a Winning Eleven series podcast one day with some uh, some. People who feel similarly to me. Uh, I know Josh and Jay have no interest in football whatsoever, but Chris, you yeah, despite being a Crystal Palace fan, <laughs> did you did, did you play any Pro eva
2: Yeah, I did. Um, I do love my football games on on consoles. Believe it or not, um, it's interesting you don't mention FIFA along this line because they did try. Oh gosh, and they did they did exist.
0: Yeah, PS2 uh, FIFA. Uh, yeah, and oh boy. Yes, they yeah. didn't... Maybe it should be in the turkey they didn't we'll make. They didn't make that. the list, let's put it that way, yeah. No, so... It was no they competition. Tried. It was, yeah, it was just, but yeah, any football I do remember.
2: I do remember getting a review copy once, and uh, that was interesting trying to describe that in comparison to Bravo, but uh, no, I've been playing those since uh, in 64 days and stuff, so yeah, um, I still... And also sensible soccer and stuff, which isn't really a football game, it's more of a pinball thing that goes up and down. Um... But uh, no, uh, I, I, the reason I'm so silent, uh, uh, Leon, is because you're, you're right. They were instrumental and in this. To this day, to this day, whether EA want to admit it or not, they got a lot to thank for those oh, games. Oh, for sure, yeah. You, yeah,
0: they learned a lot of lessons. I should also mention yeah. uh, there was a PS1 game called This Is Football, which they did follow up a couple of times. This was a Sony London, was it, or was it? A uh, Soho, Sony Soho, I think, mm. and I actually did a bit of—I'm going to say—it uh, was uncredited and unpaid for um, consultancy work on This Is Football two thousand and something. Um, I made I made friends with the, one of the developers on a drunken night by insulting his game, <laughs> and um, I was I was introduced to somebody while already drunk, and I heard the words "This Is Football." And I just started laying into how it wasn't nearly as good as Pro Evo, and then I was. It was pointed out to me that I was talking to one of the key people behind the game that I was slagging off, which was cool. Um, he was very nice about it, and he said perhaps you could uh, put this down on a document and send it to us and say why you think that Pro Evo is so much better than our game. So I did, and we had about a years of a year of email back and forth. And, uh, the documents that I sent got used in their planning meetings and, uh, and they said it was good stuff. So I, uh, you know, they still didn't make a game that was as good as Pro Evo because of course it's not that simple, but I contributed and I got a free copy because I worked on the game in my head
2: anyway. Nice.
3: <laughs> See what you did there is what every, everybody's doing on Twitter these days, which is basically saying to the devs, you're it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah.
0: your game's <laughs> crap. Yeah. <laughs> the difference is, they actually wanted to hear what I had to say.
2: Yeah. Also, yeah. it was like in his face, uh, while yeah. yeah. being, that's the key. Need, Do it face to face before yeah. Twitter, you know. Yes, With- and also, you know, before you stopped doing that, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm uh,
0: a lot nicer now. Um, I'd be a lot more careful uh, and a lot less drunk but anyway it's true fun story all those are true <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh so yeah ssx was a launch game and then the very well-loved ssx tricky came next again yes. all formats but again I, I would say as you said about time splitters 2 chris strong sequel
2: mm, yeah but i've it on the gamecube i think
0: yeah yeah i mean any version will do yeah uh yeah. then there was a third which also did quite well added skiing to the mix i think as well ever see Heresy. <laughs> uh yeah, so NHL on the EA sports, they continued to be strong. NBA Street, NFL, NHL, NBA, all the two K's did well. Uh Tiger Woods, so this was you know, you could trace this back to the PGA Tour series. They were a little bit sketchy on the PS1, um, kind of slightly rough PC ports, but the the game started to Get into its own again on on this era, but again, I got to say, I went with Xbox versions.
2: I was all about links, links for me, links on Xbox. Yeah, that was, yep. yeah, because yeah. it had online play. Great, yeah, so good. Okay. But anyway,
0: we talked about that on the Xbox show.
2: Sorry, sorry.
0: Fight Night, uh, <laughs> Fight Night, the boxing game started here. EA's uh, well-regarded boxing series. I think that that went on to do better still on three sixty, but for boxing fans. They were, they were quite happy, I think. World Series Baseball, big in America, of course. And your alternative golf option, the series that started on uh, PS1, was Everybody's Golf, Minina Golf, Hot Shots Golf. Uh, got third and fourth outings on PS2. Fantastic. Still going, still going. They're just so good. Yeah, love them. One on
2: VR for PS4, so good. Nice. It really is.
0: Colin Alonso from the forum says, I had three distinct phases with the PS2. The first time, uh, mm -hmm. the first was in my teens. My brother bought the console after launch and we played some great big name games for it. The GTAs, Metal Gear Solid 2, Final Fantasy X, Devil May Cry, SSX Tricky, Need for Speed Underground 2, Time Splitters 2, etc. The second phase was in university. Every PS2 there was a pro evolution soccer machine. 4, 5 and 6 were all in play at any one time and usually with a multi-tap attached. I have a special fondness for the mighty Pro Evo 5 AC Milan team. I also received my brother's PS2 as he moved on to the PS3. The third phase is where the PS2 stops being just a really good console and becomes my favourite. I finally had decent disposable income and started picking up niche titles. Persona 3 and 4, Man, We Love Katamari, Akami and even the likes of Airblade and the compromised port of Psychonauts were entertaining. Even after getting a PS3 and even into the 2010s, I was buying a couple of PS2 games each year. The PS2 had such a large library that it could appeal to many types of gamer. It continued to appeal to me even when my taste changed and developed over a period of 12 years. I eventually retired the machine, but if I had enough space, I would get a CRT TV and hook it up again. Me too. Uh, There's probably, because this was a japanese machine and it was massive in japan as it was everywhere there are probably countless jrpgs and arpgs on this uh platform but a few that are worth mentioning because of their high esteem and acclaim would be dark chronicle aka dark cloud 2 not something i've ever played any of you
2: first one i did
0: anyone else i think leah leah champions this for the podcast at some point
1: i was gonna say i played the first two hours of dark chronicle like a couple of times um i i would love an excuse to play this all the way through cool me too actually
2: the
0: series of monster hunter began on ps2 now it didn't really get into its stride until uh psp and multiplayer uh in japan was where it really started to kind of yeah become a phenomenon but lest we forget it began with a ps2 title
1: i have actually played yeah. the original yeah
2: monster i think hunter. i did
0: possibly yeah. I did
2: too. I, I remember playing it online as well. It was one of oh, was it? Ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And uh, I was really excited about it until I until I sort of realised how grindy it was. Very grindy. I didn't stand how how grindy it was. That like, everything was just minutiae and
1: I could never cook. You know, it's like, oh, come on, really. But, it's it's yeah. funny because like that hasn't changed, right? It's still, oh, no, no, it's so still, it still a skinnerbox <laughs> skinner box uh style game. But I feel like yeah. it, it, in terms of like design trends, it was maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah, because now all of that stuff like Destiny, uh, Division, all of that stuff, all, that's really on trend now. But at the time, like this was a bit of a a bit of a a wild like different style of game.
0: Hmm. Uh, Shadow Hearts 2 or Shadow Hearts Covenant again just a very well regarded game that I'm afraid I know very little about but needed mentioning and Nippon Ichi really started uh, at this period the original Disgaea we're now on Disgaea 5 6 something like Five. that 5 5 5 now uh, ps2 not yeah. oh, not no switch sorry and there's multiple versions of 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 every game after four, I think uh, Disguise Three, I think, was uh, originally a PS3 exclusive. But yeah, Disguise One and Two, the uh, turn based strategy RPGs, sort of Final Fantasy Tactics or Vandal Hearts esque. Um, almost, I suppose, Fire Emblem might be another, uh, but with, again, with a lot more grinding. Uh, there was also yeah. a spin off called Phantom Brave. Perverted penguins. Yep, that's Dude. that's what that series has. P- that's the
1: takeaway from that. Thanks,
2: thanks. Prinnies yeah.
0: indeed. <laughs> we love a prinnie. Uh, fighting wise, yes. So, uh, Dead or Alive two was uh, already on Dreamcast, but came to PS two. Uh, Soul Calibur two, of course, was, there were three versions, and arguably the PS two was the uh, the one not to get for reasons. Um, and the PS Soul Calibur three, which we also covered in the podcast, was exclusive and had. A potentially game-breaking and memory card-erasing bug, but uh, that wasn't the only, yeah, wasn't the only thing about it. But anyway, uh, there were still some 2D fighting games. You could get a nice Street Fighter Zero anthology and a Dark stalkers One if you're in Japan. Uh, Guilty Gear X2, as I mentioned, came out. Brawler-wise, not really much of a concern at this era. However, Rockstar made a game called The Warriors. They later, uh, based on the movie, they later upgraded it for the PSP. Well, I say upgraded. They sort of made a DX version, but a handheld version. Um, Did anyone play The Warriors?
3: I've got it on a PS4 because they did a remaster or um, a re-release. Oh, it's the
0: upscaled version, yeah. Yeah, Confusingly, there was also a The Warriors brawler released on Xbox Live Arcade that looks to the uninitiated... Mm absolutely the same but is by a completely different developer and by all accounts absolutely terrible there you go uh need for speed the original hot pursuit 2 if you see what i mean uh i mean i don't think i bought any need for speed games on the ps2 there was gran turismo 4 as we mentioned probably most importantly at this time and three add three yes
2: yeah uh, oh, Which so- I just remember getting the steering wheel with three. Right. Um, sorry, that's why I'm mentioning it because I'm not sure if we're going to talk about add-ons. We, we kind of did but, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there there were some no, steering I wheels
0: did. and um and and arcade sticks. Powered.
2: It was powered. And I had to plug it into another power And it bleak, nice force yeah, feedback.
0: Yeah. Really. Good. Right. I just
2: remember. Nice. Very, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling going home with a large or, orange red box, mm. with Gran Turismo Three in it because I adored two. I really did. Yeah. My brother and I used to play that on PlayStation One a lot, so you know, having pick up three and like that's why I'm mentioning it now. It's, it's an important drivey game. Yeah, can't ignore it. And uh, four, it, it, it seems to lack the same sort of thing. Uh, by by four, by the time four arrived, I just lo- I moved on to four. So sort I of
0: think mm. yes, it had competition created yeah. by kind of created itself. Uh but yes, we covered the Burnout games of course on podcasts. Uh I uh I mean the, the, this whole series uh up to this point was was on PS2 although by the time of the last game Dominator that was that was uh, this gen only I think wasn't it? But yeah, point of view. Burnout 2. I skipped one. Bought 2 on PS2 the day it came out. Absolutely loved it. Rebought it on Xbox later. Um and then played three and Revenge on Xbox as well, but I don't think I think Criterion were absolutely like they they were uh really technically adept with getting the most possible out of the PS two as as I understand it.
2: Yeah, they did release Burnout Dominator. That was an exclusive to Playstation Two, wasn't it? It
0: was that at the time, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm. And um just on that same sort of vein of uh, developers really stretching the PlayStation 2 as much as they can towards the end of its life, they did release a MotorStorm game as well.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes.
2: Yeah, Arctic something. Mm. Um, Arctic um, Edge. Arctic. Yeah,
0: something I mean, like yeah. that.
2: Yeah. It's not bad. Mm. Okay, it's, you know, it's a good shout. It is not. It doesn't it doesn't uh, compare well to the PS3 original games, but it's a good old shout out there, and I just feel the need to mention it. Even at the end of its life, people were still throwing yeah. stuff at it because of the obviously the vast amount of people owned one. You know, it's, just, it's a commercial decision, yeah, but also for sure. it's nice to see the, you know developers going, "Yep, this game was designed for the PS3," but let's see how it, should, what it what it looks like if we throw it back onto the PS2 and see if we can pull it off. And the answer is kind of, mm.
0: yeah. yeah. Of course, a lot of people who couldn't just go out and buy a PS2 would still have been you know kind of lusting after a game that was called MotorStorm. and So it made sense. Yeah, uh, Car combat wise, you already mentioned it because you could play it online. Big in America, never really a massive deal over here. The Twisted Metal games, Twisted Metal Black. Uh, my memory of this is I bought Devil May Cry and the person in the Virgin Megastore, as it was then, put a Twisted Metal Black disc in the box instead. Luckily, I noticed before I got all the way home. <laughs> and then I went back and said, I don't want this. I want Devil May Cry. Uh, rhythm and music-wise, uh, we were yeah we were sort of in between uh, stages, but um, we did a podcast on harmonics, uh, mighty frequency and amplitude, um, particularly favourites of mine on the system. And yeah, although the Dance Dance Revolution thing, I think in terms of mainstream appeal, kind of peaked at the late PS one era. Uh, there were, I think, there were a number of DDR games on PS two, DDR Max Dance Dance Revolution over here. Um, and you could certainly still go and dance, dance your way uh, to fame at the Trocadero in London at this point, I think. But uh, Time Crisis, talking of arcade things with big units, Time Crisis Two was one of the first games I got with the machine because I always loved the light gun game, and I sadly missed, you know, the fact that you can't just hook up light guns to modern TV sets. Another reason to own a CRT, not just for the way it makes older games, older consoles look better, but also. you can do the whole light gun thing um jay you said you didn't want to play silent scope without the Mm. the the gubbins but did you get a G-Con 45
3: not for the ps2 i had the time crisis on the ps1 and loved it at the time but i i i think there was definitely a point and it's probably still true to this day to a degree i'm not big fan of having to buy peripherals um like guns and stuff for control. oh you've got a vr headset though but that's not the same thing like <laughs> that's a whole different kind know, of fish you? and i feel like in in some ways the light gun games are better on vr <laughs> that kind of that that's I mean, the I've, new I've way to play was,
0: them yeah i would say
3: yeah i feel like um i, I was talking recently like so definitely aside but um blood and truth yes yes, yes. is to me what um it felt like a twenty first century time crisis. Yeah. I absolutely like into it, but but yeah, not on not at the time with the PS two. I had little interest in having to so because it's just a hassle of pulling out all this stuff. I mean, it's still true to this day, really, having yeah. to pull out all these extra controllers to set something up.
0: It, yeah, these games were uh, you know these Japanese developed um, arcade yeah. light guns though were really uh, you know kind of proper high score skill challenges um yeah uh, i also want to mention because i i had it on an import they released the original time crisis on ps2 with the entire point blank trilogy uh on mm. one disc and that was just a thing of beauty for me and um i would love it if uh if there was some way to play those games on on modern systems uh, I suppose there kind of is, but um, aiming, you know, like you're aiming a, a cursor at the screen on Super Mario Sunshine on the Switch with the with the Pro Controller. But mm-hmm. it ain't the same. It's just not quite the same. Brief shout out to the Lego games. Now, there had been Lego games before, but the Traveler's Tales Lego games, TT games, this is this is where they started this gen, this era. Lego Star Wars, which was, lest we forget, the first game in the series was actually based on the prequel trilogy because that was still concurrent at the time. Um I mean that franchise and those those that genre of games is still going and mm. there's a new one coming and they're doing a compilation of all the Skywalker Star Wars games. Uh again, I think I bought these on Xbox Original rather than PS two just for the this you know, the slight graphical upgrade, but I'm sure these sold way more copies on PS two than they did on Xbox. So yeah, a couple of the notorious turkeys. Now we will mention it, uh, even though I don't think I don't think it's it's not in the kind of um, the absolute. You know, it's not Rise of the Robots or anything, but a game that came out very flawed and you know had a lot of hype and a lot of hope behind it was Tomb Raider: The Angel of Darkness. We'd had all the we'd had what six five games before this, including you know one two three and then the two kind of guide ends, I think uh yeah. and so yeah this this was effectively going to be the proper tomb raider 5 or whatever they wanted to call it 5 6 7 i don't know um but it was a bit of a mess now i've never played this so i can't speak for it firsthand so who did i've
3: got it i bought it day 1 yes <laughs> nice. um
0: disappointed I was a, oh,
3: yeah hugely. Right. it's uh, it's awful it's it, i don't know what they were trying to do with this because it's a mess of uh, i mean it, it has literally been god knows how many it, it, you know fit what 15 years when did it come out 2004
0: 2005 uh, three i think 2003. Yeah.
3: 2003 yeah yeah so i literally played it then put it down then never gone back to it because well, uh, don't do it
0: now <laughs> it won't if i it, couldn't do it if now. it have bad then. i've
3: watched I've watched playthroughs of this because I've, I've I was always curious, but right? I've got no patience to sit through it. But I can put a YouTube video on whilst I'm doing something else. So it's like, yeah, I oh, don't miss playing it. It's it's got awful. It's terrible. Like, and there's some ridiculous like loading in between sort of
2: areas as yeah. well. It's just crazy. Can, can you just expand a little bit, Jay, on Why? Cause you just sorry, mate. I just learned well, like, Well, what makes it so terrible?
0: 17 years ago.
3: Well, it (laughs) seems to completely throw out, it throws in all these kind of slight RPG aspects to it, which uh, it felt unlike any other kind of Tomb Raider game. And it wasn't, I think when I bought this, it was like, I'm looking forward to what I consider the next-gen version of uh, Tomb Raider. But instead, it kind of threw out a lot of what we'd, I say what we'd come to expect. I mean, the series was in dire straits at that point anyway. There'd been a, you know, Chronicles and Revelations are not great games in any sense of the word. They're, they feel very piecemeal, very rushed, as does this, to be honest. It feels like whoever, the team behind it, feel like they wanted to make a different game, but were lo- lumbered with Tomb Raider and Lara Croft, so they just went in the direction that they chose. And it's completely, I, maybe there's an argument to be said that the, 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 more recent Tomb Raider games actually follow closer in suit with this one than than the original games themselves in terms of there's a lot of action, a lot of combat and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, the, the skill trees and all that kind of thing. But, God, I hated playing it. I've I, 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 I no idea without going back to my original save how far I got in this game, but I remember probably Paris. There's a, if I remember rightly, there's a level that part of the game stories in Saint in Paris. Mm. I think it was at that point where I just had enough.
0: I believe it was development hell situation. I remember, I can't remember the details, but I recall reading an article not that long ago, but maybe, I don't know, five or seven years ago, explaining kind of how it all went down and why it was a disaster. It might have been in Edge or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, it did not go well, but we've had two sort of se- series reboots since mm. that have gone rather better. The only other game that repeatedly came up on worst games ever on PS2 lists was... Uh, it's, it's a good title. I
2: I, I like <laughs> the title, yeah. No, I can't like the pun. It's good.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. So Ninja Bread Man came out in 2005, also came to uh, Windows PC and later, despite the reception to the original, two years later, they released it on the Wii. uh data design interactive really Uh, probably not no (laughs) uh i can't i i I, as much as i like the pun i didn't i didn't purchase the game but
2: no i mean considering the amount of shovelware that did arrive on the pier
0: well there was an extraordinary amount yeah a mountain did anyone has anyone else because yeah like normally when i when i put those lists together there are there are a, a number of titles but actually despite all that shovelware that you mentioned chris I didn't find mm. too many games that were ubiquitous, you know, never play this PS2 games. I think there was a lot of hyper mediocre garbage, but not so yeah. many games that were just outright, downright offensive. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, <laughs> did anyone oh, well. get stung by anything? Can they remember a, like a, other than Tomb Raider? Anyone got any, Oh God, I've just wasted my money purchases. Oh,
1: good question. Um, I mean, I should have seen this coming, um, but <laughs> Spider-Man 3, ah, I bought okay. the PS2 version. Uh, like, So the, this was one of those cross-generation titles. Yes. I bought the PS2 version of Spider-Man 3. It's really bad. Everyone um, loves Spider-Man like, 2, right? Uh, Spider-Man 2 is great. I, I mean, it's probably aged quite significantly, but I, I have a lot of positive memories of Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 3 has those notorious meme-worthy cutscenes. You've probably seen the one on Twitter of the the lady going, I'm going to die, and then the whole building explodes. Um, But, I mean, that's a great metaphor for the entire game, to be honest with you. It's just a giant, you know, Spider-Man flopping on his face and the whole building exploding is, yeah, that's the whole experience of that (laughs) game. Nice.
3: Uh, It's interesting that you talk about cross sort of different versions because i think one of it's not really a slight towards the the game itself but i bought ghost week on two i think on both i had it on the xbox and then it must have been when around about the time one of my xboxes went i bought it on the ps2 or i was just a huge fan of the game and Hmm. i wanted to check out the ps2 version but the ps2 version was an entirely different game like it wasn't even it wasn't, it was like completely different levels, completely, yeah. I, I guess they'd optimized it more to the PS2. So everything was really tight, little confined spaces you were fighting in. Uh, I could, I, I ended up not playing it. I ended up giving it my brother because I really didn't want to play it. That's it's nice just of you. A Hugely. Yeah. I remember he got kind of pissed off about it because he, um, he complained to his mum that I only ever give him like the games I don't want. And I was like, well, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> Brotherly um, love but um but yeah so there was a, i guess there was a fair bit of that stuff going on where if you bought one version it could be quite noticeably different but hey
0: chase210 from the forum says i think one of my biggest gaming regrets is being completely ignorant of the outstanding ps2 library as they released i was only i was only a child when it released and i had a gamecube We had a PS2 in our house, but I never played it. And it was before I ever talked about video games online. I was entirely ignorant to the waves of quality games on PS2. It wasn't until 2008 when I had a backwards compatible PS3 that I began to engage with the PS2 library. And what a library it is. Two fantastic Final Fantasy games, one of which is my favourite of the whole series, Twelve. The Ratchet and Clank Original Trilogy, God of War, Sly Cooper, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, Shadow of the Colossus, Akami, Kingdom Hearts, Jack and Daxter. Phew. Like I said, my only regret with the PS2 is I didn't get to these games sooner. Yeah, so as always, especially with the PS2, where there were nearly 4000 games released, we can't possibly mention everything if we haven't mentioned your favourite, even in passing. I'm so sorry. But uh, just one more chance to mention something that otherwise has gone hitherto unrecognized in this briefest of rundowns. Chris, you've got uh, you've got a cult classic there that you want to mention. Good, good shout for
2: the yeah Gregory Horror yes. Show
0: Soul Collector, as it was subtitled in, in some regions.
2: Indeed, uh, never released in North America, which we'll talk about Aha. the reasons why in a second. Okay. but was released in Europe and Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, rare. For that to happen. Capcom, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey! Cheers. Um, but uh, I did say the a different inflection, just to on the be mind. Uh, this is a survival horror f- game, mm. which is actually terrifying, mm-hmm. uh, despite the visuals. In fact, no, because of the it's visuals. It's based on a cartoon, are, isn't it? It is based on well, a I've cartoon. I've never seen. But, no, nor I. But um, it's the figures, the people are made out of boxes, just really very large polygonal sort of just boxes, rectangles, cubes, better still. Cubes. And uh, uh, this can p- put people off. But in fact, it just adds to the horror. Yeah. It's like, almost like papercraft, really, really bad papercraft. Do you know what It makes and, me
0: think of a bit? And this is not uh, meant to be an insult. It's a little yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's in its kind of yes. presentation.
2: And the idea is you're meant to be capturing souls of other people in this, this hotel you find yourself trapped in. Um and uh, Gregory has this hotel and he's basically harvesting souls and keeping them away from Death himself and Death's not impressed with this and has charged you with actually finding those souls and giving them back to him uh, and Gregory's not in, not really kind of keen on you doing that for his own reasons and uh, basically the horror ensues uh, extraordinary budget release late in the life of the years too now quite hard to get hold of. Apparently. Yeah, I think it's quite expensive.
0: Um, I, I gave my copy away to a friend. I th- hope mm. he still has it in case we ever decide to cover for the show. I think the most interesting thing about it, as well as it being a Capcom game that clearly yeah. has kind of a relationship with the Resident Evil games, and is mm. kind of the forgotten Resident Evil twisted cousin, Guyden. It, it has is. a kind of yeah. really weird, um, or not really weird, but really clever sort of pseudo real time uh aspect where it's it's a bit like it reminds me a bit of the bomber club in Majora's Mask in that you have to kind of you have to learn when and where to interact with the cast of characters in the hotel
2: yes if you cause noise there's other characters in the um in the in the hotel that aren't necessarily uh, evil but are annoying like the grandson of Gregory is just oh a little tyke oh hello he just doesn't shut up and yells and makes your life a misery because you can't listen in on the because what you try to do is you're a detective almost you're trying to listen in on other people's conversation to find out where they're going to be and then you have to be at the right place and your health isn't health it's sanity and your sanity is steadily eking away and when you do it actually get caught by the other residents they they put you through an absolute horrific horror show (laughs) and they torture you basically the, you your your is reduced significantly afterwards it's really quite dark it's messed up to isn't say it? the least. in a good way but it's fan, it's a good yeah we we uh, i do believe i could a petition now that i do have my copy i know exactly where it is i'm happy to say and uh, i'm more than happy to cover it
0: maybe Ring. maybe you could put it forward as your your pick for volume 10 2020 mm. yeah, 2021 yeah i assume yeah. it's got- never found its way onto the store for either ps3 or ps4 because of the cartoon license which is a real shame that's the problem with licensed games isn't it
2: It it's a bit of a cult
0: classic anyway and the other one you mentioned which did get a brief mention earlier but yes uh, i had forgotten this game existed completely tourist like the rest of the world yeah (laughs) tourist trophy yeah um this
2: is i love the grand turismo games and i do like motorcycle games as well because motorcycle games are more they're more about Really attacking those corners. In fact, that's all they're about, in my humble opinion. Uh, and really understanding the weight of your the, the bike as you go around those corners. And that's what Tourist Trophy really did a little bit too well to the point where it was terribly sim-like uh, and it's <laughs> very, very difficult, really difficult to get your licensing because you had to pass licences before you could actually earn the oh, right yeah. to actually start yeah. riding. And it was tough, really tough. I remember spending... Not a small amount of time trying to conquer uh, these, these licenses. Right. So um, big smile on my face when I think about this game, but it has not aged well, unfortunately. No. And there's been many other racing games, the Moto GP games that have been going out coming out for quite a while that also existed on the Xbox yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they kind of overtook them, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, but uh, still warm, fuzzy feelings about Tourist Trophy, and I think people need to talk about it more. Than they do and to the point where people even forgot it existed. Yes, Polyphony did actually do a bike game. a, remote, a bike yeah. game.
0: I'm never but, uh, playing it. Uh, <laughs> so even if <laughs> e- even if you nominate it for the podcast, you can handle no, no, that no. one yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on my own. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just I felt I felt uh, compelled to, to 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 shout about it. So here yeah, I'm doing that very thing. Thank you, for, uh, uh,
0: Josh. Primal. Chris mentioned it earlier. We've got it here. You got it covered. Primal.
1: Yeah, so this was a game put out by uh, Sony Entertainment Cambridge Studio. Um, I This is very much like... Um, there's something you said ages ago, Leon, where you were talking about there's two kinds of three out of five movies. So the ones that are just like flatline mediocre And then there are the ones that go five-star, one-star, five-star, one-star, all the
0: way through. Music albums are similar, yeah. I know it's an old concept, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I feel like Primal fits right into that. Um, I think there are things that this game does that are really, really special. I think the art direction for the game is phenomenal, and I think it you know despite you know technically aging i think the the world design the character design the monster designs all hold up really really well um the ambition with like some of the systems like there are two playable characters in this that you can swap between you've got jen who has all these demonic powers that she can adopt and then you have scree who's this little gargoyle um dude who can crawl up walls and climb up walls and each world that you enter into, there's like, obviously there's the kind of like standard Zelda, kind of there's a water world, there's a fire world, but these were expansive and, and big and um they had, they looped back on each other in a kind of like a, you know, it's kind of similar to Souls, not quite there yet, but kind of similar to Souls in the way they loop back on each other on themselves. um And the way that your demon powers, like there's the water world where you basically become an underwater demon that stuff was really compelling i do not think the combat or any of that stuff has aged particularly well and i don't know if i can wholeheartedly recommend people go back and play it now but i do think in just in terms of being like a visual tour de force and the voice acting as well i think the voice acting was above average for the time um i remember they famously got the sidekick from xena Warrior Princess <laughs> wow. to play Jen. Um, which, you know, at the time I yes, think yeah. counts as stunt casting, but maybe not <laughs> these days. Um but yeah, I I yeah, I think just aesthetically it's really, really memorable.
0: Cool. And yeah, another mention because this really was a, a this sold a lot of copies and uh it, although it was a film tie-in, uh with a a a much beloved uh superhero movie and one of the ones that really set the bar for the last kind of yeah, twenty years almost of uh, fifteen to twenty years of of superhero movies. Uh, Spider Man Two was a sort of follow up to a PS One game that was by NeverSoft, I think. Yeah, and then yeah. but it kind of Treyarch took it on and uh, and did their own thing. It ended up on every format imaginable at the time. Um, and, but yeah, I think people were just really taken aback by how much, obviously, we've now got the PS4, PS5 game. But at the time, this really nailed the the, the, the locomotion of being a Spider-Man, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean... And it's basically until we get to the Insomniac Spider-Man that anyone really came close to topping this for me. Like I think the just the feeling of weight and and the physics of the web swinging in in the original Spider-Man two, um, they kept trying to top it. Like I remember Ultimate Spider-Man two came out and it was just a bit more automated and it didn't feel it didn't have that gravity that feel that Spider-Man two did. And then Spider-Man 3 came out, and that was just a tire fire of a video game. Um, But, like, there's so many good things in here. And I feel like, even though, you know, I think the most recent Spider-Man is kind of... I, I think it offers up a better experience overall, and I would recommend people go to that than this. The skeleton of Insomniac's kind of experience is here. Like a lot of the elements that make spider man p s four so great started here um there are some things about it that have aged really badly, like Toby Maguire's very phoned in vocal performance <laughs> like he like yeah. he just could not could oh Alfred Molina as well. I love Alfred Molina, but so he I mean. really checked out yeah. checked out in this this game. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't this video really game. like
0: these days it would be part of your contract not only to do it but to do it well. Whereas back then it was yeah. like, Oh, I've got to do the video game. Um
1: Yeah. Oh, just one more thing on this. Um the 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 addition of Mysterio um in ah, Spider Man okay. two. All right. There's this all time one of the funniest video game jokes ever. Is when you walk into a convenience store, you see Mysterio buying some groceries, and then his health bar goes up three times. So you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a multi phase, epic boss encounter. You punch him once, and all three health bars train <laughs> completely. And he just goes, don't hit me, don't hit me. I just, it was so funny. It was so funny.
0: Excellent. Uh, yeah, just two to mention, not a, a PS2 exclusive. I don't think I think it came to Xbox, but um, and it also spawned a sequel and a spinoff, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. So I was scared of Baldur's Gate on PC, the CRPG, because it looked really grown up and complicated. Yes, I was 30 years old at this point. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Dark Alliance was, uh, was it S- Avalanche Studios? Um A Dungeons and Dragons themed dungeon crawler, a bit Diablo, a bit. um, Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Um, I guess players of Hades currently might uh, might know what Dark Alliance is all about, but it was extra slick. I think it was a 60 hertz, uh, 60 frames a second or 50 frames a second, possibly in PAL. And um, it was just yeah, it was like it was it was gauntlet brought up to date for the for the 2000 and somethings and uh, yeah, had a lovely time. Absolutely
2: magnificent pair of games. And I do think they were exclusive to the PS2. I thought they were uh, Xbox as well. Yeah, no, maybe maybe you're right. Wrong.
0: Um, Champions there was of Norath. There's also North,
2: Heroes, Champions of Norath. That's yeah, the I one.
0: Think Yeah, great, I right? never played that, but um, I didn't realise it was good. connected until after uh, after the, the time. And yeah. one more, because it's the game that I still, uh, although I now have it on, I got it as a download on PS3, but it's the, the PS2 game that I still play the most because it's never had a re-release or an upgrade or an upscale or anything like that, uh, is Gradius 5. So Gradius uh, 3 and 4 was a another launch title, as I recall, in PAL Territory or near. It was a compilation of two then, you know, already aging arcade games and got short shrift from reviewers because it was all old fashioned and, you know, schmuppy and, and also stupidly difficult, to be fair. Gradius Five, Konami roped treasure in and uh, and made what to me is still one of, you know, the absolute apex kind of space shooters. Uh, if you want to see what it's like, it's tough, but McKeel is playing it on YouTube. When I say it's tough, I don't mean it's tough. You're not going to find out what it's like. I mean, it's a tough game that you can watch Mikil and Mikil playing on our YouTube channel. Or oh, there's other footage of it, of course, but um, absolutely magnificent and just an absolutely banging soundtrack. I just wish because it is a little blurry around the edges now, especially playing it even on component on a modern TV. I would love an upscaled upres. Uh, remaster of Gradius five Konami showing a few little twitching signs of life at the moment so I guess it's not impossible but we'll see final correspondence for the show is from Cornelius Smith who says being a fortunate enough soul to have grown up for the most part with the gaming industry itself I've been able to see its evolution firsthand from my first doughy-eyed experiences as a mere babe on my sister's Commodore 64 to the black slab of cool that was the Mega Drive, the untouchable Amiga, the ubiquitous PS1, and the smattering of other consoles, I was lucky enough to have a go on around mates' houses. I've been blessed to experience some wonderful gaming moments in my circa 33 years of gaming. To this day, though, the PS2 is probably the only console I've experienced relatively early on in its run and up to its eventual obsolescence. I can vividly remember the hype and chatter regarding the PS2, and it being a foregone conclusion that it was going to be released. Nothing could prepare me for the first time I clapped eyes on actual footage of it. I wasn't fortunate enough to obtain one at launch. I had a plan, though. I had naively taken up a summer job for earning meagre wages in the hope of scraping together the required funds. Alas... My £200 was insufficient to nab one from my local Another World store in Nottingham, which was at the time the only place left you could reasonably hope to grab a pre-order, albeit at a vastly inflated price. My best friend at the time, who often had the latest consoles bought for him, had managed to get a PS2 at launch, so despite my earlier monetary failures, I was able to finally experience this previously unattainable machine and I was hooked instantly. The sleek black box spoke to a futuristic ambition, not only in its design, but in the games it would duly deliver. Fast forward another year and my spotty 17-year-old face on Christmas Day aghast at the box I was holding aloft in my quivering, angsty hands. I had one. Yes, it was mine. As fate would have it, a rental store had opened up nearby. I hastily gathered up my Christmas money to go and rent GTA 3. They didn't have it in stock. Boo. I was undeterred though and absolutely had to get some games. I settled for Airblade, Alone in the Dark and Half-Life. While the PS1 always felt ubiquitous, the PS2 was a behemoth in comparison and massively outsold its predecessor. It was everywhere. It's ironic when I think about all of the the machines I've owned, this is perhaps the one I am least bleary-eyed and nostalgic about, at least in sense of longing for it. The only tangible theory I have is that perhaps I was able to experience it fully from start to finish across most of its vast library. I, w- I was able to get some sort of closure as a result. Thinking about it now, this machine took me from adolescence into adulthood and took my gaming passion along with it. It's somehow actually slightly sad that I don't really pine for it that often. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's the most complete epoch a gamer can truly hope for. And as a result, I can be at peace with that a truly great machine. Thanks, everyone, all our correspondents. Uh, I don't think we have any particular order of uh, kind of passion for the PS2, but uh, let's start with Josh. In summary, I, I, sorry, <laughs> I didn't yeah, say what I, we were doing. <laughs> um,
1: I, I adore this machine, um, and I feel like, I've been mentioning this throughout this recording, but like in terms of just being very, very formative, um, I don't think um, any other console comes close. Um, I feel like I can draw lines between a lot of the like, games I played during this era to games I'm playing now and loving now. And kind of that's that's why I love them. Like, like I can look at like Final Fantasy twelve and go, Okay, this, this visual style, this aesthetic is why I'm drawn to stuff like Final Fantasy fourteen over Final Fantasy XV, um and um stuff like the Persona series, like yeah. going on to play stuff like the The World Ends With You and Um God of War, like and Devil May Cry, kickstarting my love of 3D brawlers and and bayonetta and and astral chain and I often use like and I mean cuz sometimes when people say oh it feels like a, a PS2 game or an N64 game they mean it as like a slur yeah. right they mean it as a negative but I often use like cuz recently um with Astral Train I played that last year I said this feels like a PS2 game and I meant it as a compliment yeah, yeah. in that it had that energy that kind of vibrancy of this era um yeah I I just I think Yeah, it's one of the greatest consoles ever made. I I, I absolutely adore it.
0: Yeah, I kind of got what uh, our final correspondent there was saying in terms of the sort of lack of affection. When I think of some machines, I get a kind of, you know, a warm hug. And with PS2, it's more about the... Yeah, I've definitely got the the, the boot-up sound in my head and and happy memories of of certain games, and, and particularly those Pro Evo sessions. It was... An amazing time and the machine felt incredibly powerful even though you know i was lucky enough to have a dreamcast before it and it wasn't so much of an upgrade on that i mean going from an n64 to this uh you know in terms of the the visuals on offer or or just a ps1 to a ps2 it was such a huge step up um but actually the vast majority of the games that i enjoyed on the machine have been either kind of uh supplanted or iterated upon or just re-released in a more convenient fashion so there aren't it's not i do keep my machine around it's still here there are reasons um but i don't have a big old library of games for it anymore most of them have been kind of passed on sold traded and whatever else um but what i do think is that yeah obviously it's an insanely important machine um Epoch defining, it's still currently the best selling console of all time. Not sure. It's interesting now whether um PS4 will be able to catch up with it as it's about to be kind of um, you know, replaced in some ways, but the PS4 may get a massive old price cut. And if people aren't sold on the the form factor and whatever else of the PS5, maybe it'll get one last push and end up being the best selling console of all time. But until then, um I think The key thing about the PS2 is as well as its extraordinarily broad library of uh, stone cold classics is it is the last machine other than I suppose the GameCube alongside it that is free from all the stuff that a lot of people don't like about contemporary gaming patches, achievements, microtransactions, etc, etc. Your relationship is kind of starts and ends with the buying of the disc that is the only one delivery mechanism for the game you buy it you play it you you form a relationship with that game uh you beat it with skill or whatever else um and uh, and and you lay it down and there's no long tail for the game there's no uh afterlife or 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 you know uh, um kind of thrashing lashing out at the developers there's none of that um, because, or there wasn't, you know, because there wasn't at the time, kind of thing. So I think if, yeah, if you if you do have that pining for a simpler time, um, then I think maybe like this is the ultimate machine to get for that experience. Jay,
3: I'm going to struggle with this because, i for one thing, I kind of similar to Cornelius and yourself, I don't have a lot a lot of nostalgia for it. It's Looking at my shelves, it's actually the game I've got the least least amount of games for overall. Mm-hmm. But those games that I have, I've kept and I've still got my console for because they, you know, there were things like GTA 3 and, and, uh, Onimusha and, uh, Metal Gear games that I've kept all of them because those games are, feel very important to me. But, in terms of like you, you know going back and replaying them, no, I don't really. Um, you know, I tend to look at the, the remasters and stuff obviously for for stuff like the, the games I mentioned for the reason to play or the later games in the series which are just better and more enjoyable to play. It, I feel like I'm coming off too negative and dismissive, it's not meant to be, it's just that this was a hugely important console for me at the time, maybe. I still hold it in high regard but I rarely ever go back and, and look at the stuff that I have.
0: Alright, thanks Jay. And we'll conclude with Chris. There's lots of reasons why I,
2: I really wanted to be on this show and this give me a chance to actually explain the, 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 the important, why I find it to be such an important machine. This this was the big change for consoles more than the PCs and, uh, in that it became it, created, it allowed for the creation of games that were as deep as they were wide. And that's what really struck me and strikes me to this day when I still play PlayStation 2 games, is how deep and complex they can be uh, like you would not believe. And that's what really always impressed, impressed me. That was the big change. It wasn't just the visual fidelity and that sort of thing. It's also the actual design of the games themselves and how they could actually allow the developers to stretch finally because up until this point they were always constricted by lack of memory and that sort of thing was this this is the start of where they started to stretch it wasn't yes there were lots of you know restrictions upon them but nowhere near as much as the previous generation and this is the start of it and we can see it so often and that's why i believe many of the games we spoke about today still hold up they genuinely do. They still sell a lot of them on the PlayStation 4 dashboard. I mean, you can buy Primal now, if you like, on PlayStation 4. You don't have to dig out a PS2 or try and get them from Fleabay. You can still play these games. And that's a testament to what happened 20 years ago when uh, suddenly the machine and the power and the technology almost caught up with the vision and the concepts, of the ideas of the game developers at the time were trying to achieve with uh, video game consoles. So for that, for me, that is why uh, I believe the PlayStation 2 deserves this level of attention that we've given it today. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone, but least of all Leon and uh, Jay for the opportunity to do that. So thank you.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Um, and yes, I uh, no doubt this will be one of many, many things, um, many articles and videos and, and podcasts and whatever else in uh, that. Around the uh, the 20th anniversary of the PS2. Look out for that. So, yeah, uh, it's been another long one, as we expected with such a console. But it remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris, J and Josh, all of our correspondents and to you for listening through with us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do consider our Patreon, patreon.com slash Rince. If you're not already a patron, you'll get our next format special, which is actually to be decided as I say this. Right now, it'll already be available. Imagine that. Just $2 a month. That's all we ask. It really helps. Until next time, and our next format special, what will it be? Farewell.